it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out the next episode of Season 4 of the LHR Podcast. It's only time for a little bit of D-Generation X, and oh boy, let me tell you, it's so, so nice to be able to sit in the same room as Adam and Billy again and record these episodes. It feels like this season, it was put on hiatus for so long that I've forgotten in the first place why I loved it so much. So thank you, everyone, for the kind words about Survivor Series 1997, and I hope you enjoy this episode and the rest of the season. Before you know it, we'll be back at WrestleMania 14. Want to give a special shout out to all of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash a podcast for making this show possible and 100% fan and listeners supported. If you want to check out a little bit of extra bonus content, I'm talking nearly 80 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl, a whole bunch of other episodes like the Bibliotech or Book Report series where we go through wrestling biographies and books. You want to check out some examples of that, they're here on the free feed, as well as that gamesmanship or video series Q&As, all of the commentary tracks that we used to harp on about in earlier seasons all of that and more is available over on our patreon page and in case you don't know we don't get money for this show for where we have it hosted soundcloud spotify apple google none of those guys pay us we only get our support from our fans so if you'd like to support us and keep this show ad free then head over to patreon.com forward slash ae podcast we thank you all for the support during the pandemic and beyond but for now let's settle in for another slice of season four and bret hart may be gone but we've got a DX pay-per-view to look forward to. Yay! podcast season four continues and once again we find ourselves regrettably in your house for a little bit of Generation x hello once again it's me the morning cowboy kevin man joined as i am in this look back on everything that came before season one and wrestlemania 14 by my cohorts comrades and colleagues firstly also missing brad hart i assume the biscuits to my gravy adam bibolo you're right yeah, you alright? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, a lot of people are a little bit worried, like, in our last episode, you know, a lot of people maybe had checked out the stuff that came mm. between during the pandemic, and you said that you'd lost a little bit of the, the love of, of you, know, you know, modern wrestling and whatnot. And yeah. I, I don't know if the nostalgic wrestling has done very good by removing Bret Hart. Yeah, well, it's okay, because we replaced him with two terrible cunts, so that's <laughs> something to look forward to. Hey, now, they're not terrible, they're insufferable. Come mm. on, now. Lots to say about In Your House, Degeneration X? I've got some strong feelings about where we're at in 97, yes. And to my right, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, the gravy to my biscuits, Mr. Billy Keebo. Oh, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Yeah, how are you feeling a little bit in your house, huh? I was going into it, halfway through watching it, I was ready to pretty much say, this is the worst pay-per-view we've ever covered. <laughs> I was very much prepared to say that. But 
I, I should point out as well that Billy, you are reading Bret Hart's autobiography at the moment. Yes. Whereabouts in the in the journey are you for Bret at the moment? I, I've not even got to WWF. I, I, he's still doing Stampede, and he's traveling to like the Middle East and, and Japan at the moment is what I'm doing. Has it in any way altered your viewpoint of Bret? Obviously, Bret not being here is very very noticeable mm. tonight on this pay per view. But has it changed your viewpoint on the Hitman at all? Um, it's made me sort of understand how actually serious he takes the business. Yeah. And like it's not a work, that ain't a work. Yeah, like, you know, so yeah. It's, it's made me go, oh, he actually does, like, he's not just a bell end. I mean, he is a bell end. <laughs> but there's so much more to him. Than but that. There's, there is more to him than that. Like, he's a bell end because he cares so much about the business. Yeah. And you don't, you just sort of think he's just the bell end on its own. Well, I'll tell you who else cares about the business. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Oh, yeah. Those two, they you. love the business. This business. <laughs> this business of the business which they care about so much, they've been given their own special pay-per-view to ruin. Why? We're once again in your house. It's time for D-Generation X. Are you ready? The showstopper. Sexy. The main event. HBK. The icon, Shawn Michaels, oh, battles Ken Shamrock for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. DX can play anyone for a sucker! <laughs> Triple H. Triple H. There's one piece of artillery I'm not gonna use. Hunter Hurst Helmsley battles Sergeant Slaughter. I'm gonna save that for your old lady. And, and it's the big... Girl. Degeneration X. Generation X. Degenerate me. Well, it's time to talk about my special pay-per-view because I didn't show up to work this week and I forget what's going on what's happening again. <laughs> Basically, we've ruined wrestling. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. Brett leaving. It I didn't think it would affect me watching a show as much as it has. This pay-per-view the Raws that have come from yeah. Survivor Series. I mean, we can all agree Survivor Series ended on a bit of a damp squib. Yeah. Yes. And what's come afterwards has been, um, it's, it's been depressing, is that what Bleak, dark-sided. Yeah. It's like in season three of Twin Peaks where it's like, oh no, it's all broken and horrible now and there's no going back mm. to the nice days. But Brett but... comes back into WCW, but he's all like, you know, all the emotion is gone from him. Yeah. He doesn't have to do the sharpshooter anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, wrong. Jones, Bret Hart, like... There's, there's a lot to get into. Mm. The first thing I was going to ask Billy, <laughs> do you have any idea of, like, reaction of talent or loss of talent, seeing as Bret is gone, the owner of the company has very publicly mm. screwed one of the boys mm. and has been pretty unapologetic about it. I know that, that most of the Heart Foundation, well, all of the Heart Foundation apart from Owen have gone, but I, I don't think Owen's actually been seen 
Yeah, there's been mm. on TV. There's been no sighting of Owen whatsoever. Yeah. He's not even really been mentioned as far as once I or know. twice they mentioned Owen and how he's in like a very bad mental state because of everything that happened mm. at Montreal. Davy boy, he's gone as well. Like he left. No he mention of Davy. No, there was one slight mention on Raw where they mentioned that he was on the injury list, mm. implying that he was somehow hurt by I don't know, like having a good match at Survivor Series. So they mentioned that as well. Another member who's disappeared of the roster from the DX side, not the Hard Foundation side, Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, Gone. If you all remember the legend, he actually appeared on Nitro and Raw on the same night. Mm -hmm. And Nitro, he was without a beard. And on Raw, which had been taped in the can, he had the full beard. And WWE handled the departure of Ravishing Rick Rude in a very classy manner, Adam, didn't they? So fucking petty. They had Harvey Whippleman come out and to, to Rick Rude's music and he came out in a suit with a briefcase and a microphone and he did the whole like, I want all of you sweat hogs to sit down. I will say, Harvey Whippleman can basically do Rick Rude's exact voice. It was a it was, fine was impression. A fine impression, yeah. And then Sean and Hunter come out, they beat the fuck out of him and they go, huh, anyone can do that, I guess. <laughs> and they never, ever mention him ever again. No, like, I was very much of the viewpoint and I had believed in my heart of hearts Heart Foundation would be all gone after this, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it surprised you guys to know that Jim the Anvil Nightheart had a little run after Brett got screwed. Oh, yeah, Stuck I, thought, around. I thought he like jumped ship immediately. So, that's what I had heard as well. Yeah, I thought I he, wish he had. He got a main event on Monday Night Raw. Oh. So they did this bit, and it wasn't the night after, it was the week after. Like the night after Survivor Series, there was very little reference whatsoever. Yeah. Other than Jerry Lawler going, I hear he's getting paid $3 million. Oh, Crammy a river. That's a lot of money. The week after that, Shawn Michaels came out all serious and he's like, I know that the Hitman's actually still around because his contract doesn't start with WCW until the end of the month. So I'm inviting the Hitman out here tonight to face me and we're going to settle it all. I want to settle the hash, bury the hatchet, all that jazz. Billy, I would like you to take a guess as to what happened when they said, here comes Bret Hart and they played Bret Hart's music. Who do you think came out? Well, based on what you've been saying, it's going to be Jim. Uh-uh. Oh, no, no. Think about WWF and their history of doing stuff like this. Oh, it's this. going to be a little person. That's right. <laughs> okay. It was a little person dressed as Bret Hart and they beat him up, would you believe? <laughs> I didn't know this, but apparently Bret went to Vince before he left and he was like, one of the things is, you know, if I leave, don't do one of those things where you, like, play my music oh. and have someone come out dressed as me. And Vince Specifically, like, don't do don't that. Don't do the exact... And Vince was like, Brett, I promise you, along with my promise to not screwing you, I, I promise I also won't do that. And the worst thing about it is that, obviously... You know, you just ask Big Cass, having a full-grown, you know, having someone beat up a little person for no apparent reason on a TV show leaves a bad taste to most people's mm -hmm. mouths. The thing I didn't realise is that as they had this little person in the sharpshooter and he's wearing like a latex Bret Hart mask that covers his whole head. It is very scary looking. Mm -hmm. And you've got Shawn Michaels going, yeah! And Triple H going, who's the icon? And the little person in this mask has to go, Here's the main event. I can't hear you. I like Bret Hart's crying somewhere. Yes. And like with good reason. Anyway, out comes Jim the Anvil Neidhart to stop all of this. And immediately he's like, I've never had to cut a promo on my own. And he's all nervous. Mm -hmm. And they do this long thing. The crowd is dead silent where Shawn Michaels is like, you never got any money from Bret Hart. Your career's shit. You were all right in the 80s and no one wants you anymore. You can join D-Generation X. And Neidhart's like, 
yeah, all right then, yeah. Okay. He, he agrees to it. Nightheart like voluntarily joins DX Ugh. and he's like all smiley hanging out with Sean and Honor. Yeah, the main event where I think it's like Shawn Michaels taking on Vader and then they have Nightheart in their corner and he like you know, helps him you know, trip up the leg he's and all cheating that. cheating with them and stuff. And then they just beat him up and they beat the shit out of him over and over and over. And it's a proper scream for your country bulldog kind yeah. of thing where they're like shoving the mic in his face and they're like, say it! Say Sean is the best and all this stuff. And the following week he had a match against Triple H and they beat him up again and they handcuffed him to the ropes and they spray painted WCW on his back and he's going to WCW. There, he's so gone. <laughs> Literally. Like they, they sent him away. Are, are you guys shocked that they did that? Oh, to see it, I don't know mm. how it is us describing it to you, Billy, but to see it, is really dark-sided and really bleak. Like, it is salt in the wound. Mm. Does Nightheart seem like the kind of guy who'd be like, ah, fuck it, it's just, a, you know, I'll do whatever. You know, I would have thought he'd be one of the guys who'd be morally outraged. And be like, mm. fuck yeah, that, I'm think off. so. Considering, like, he's only got a job because Stu's gone to bat for him so many times. And Ellie as well, yeah. of course, you know. Like, everyone's gone to bat for him, and, like, as soon as, like, they may potentially need some sort of family support, he's like, no, I'm good. Was it one of the real dodgy things that Vince said? And you know, we mentioned the last episode, Vince's you know, few little uh, sit-down promos with Jim Ross mm-hmm. where he's like, I could beat up Bret Hart with one hand tied yeah, behind. Quite, quite frankly, I could have much better love to Bret's wife than Bret ever, ever could. And I think you know that, Jim. Uh, but he talks in those promos, uh, they're promos, not interviews, they're yeah. promos. And he's like, well, Bret, not only has he betrayed the fans... But he's also torn his family apart. And, I, and, you know, his family's been very upset talking to me that he's put them through this. And it's like Vince is playing politics with Brett's fucking in-laws mm-hmm. now. And that's really fucked up. Like, you know, I feel kind of... There's something kind of specifically very pathetic about Jim Neidhart being rolled out to fucking do that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've had uh, some personnel changes. Mick Foley didn't show up for the Raw the night after. Mm. And then Jim Cornette rang up and was like, look, you're nearly a millionaire and he's a multi-millionaire. Would you go to work? Okay. Aww. <laughs> just, that was it, like, you know. Oh, he tells that story very differently these days. On oh, the, really? On the Dawn of Attitude DVD, he says that, like, his wife pointed out that, like, you're, you're in violation of your contract. And, you know, oh, you just, really? You won't get any money and you're going to have no, the no-compete clause. You're going to basically bankrupt us if you do this. So please wow. go back to work. Oh, like, well, that, that's, yeah, that's a lot more, like, realistic, I I can think. see him listening to his wife over Jim Cornette. Like. Yeah, seriously. And I feel like it was just one of those cases where, like, I don't begrudge wrestlers not all walking out en masse because it's like, for all of the great accolades you give Brett and how great he was in the wrestling business and that company, how much he helped it, he was his own guy. He was, yeah. not, he was an island. I don't think, you know... I'm, I'm not sure he would do it for anyone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, if The Undertaker maybe jumps ship or whatever, yeah. you might expect more because the conscience of the WWF That's is even. Mm. But I don't know. Like, it said a lot about the character of Mick Foley that he'd be willing to do something so fucking yes. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, before we get into this, quite frankly, stupid pay-per-view, we've got a couple of bits of business to take care of. We do. First and foremost, I'm in 1997. And other than Brad Hart having the worst time of his life, I know nothing of the cultural landscape. Billy Keeble, give it to me. What's going on in the mediaverse of, what are we, November? No, this is December. This is December. Yeah. Christmas 97. Did Mr. Blobby get a number one around this he time? He better fucking better not have. have. Yeah. Somebody did. So we'll start off with music. UK number one single. I do not remember this song. Mm-hmm. There was a, re- a re-release of Perfect Day 
by Lou Reed. I remember which this. had Bono, yes. David Bowie, Elton John, it's Susan a charity Vega. single, right? Yeah, for the BBC. Well, that's is that something where it's it's gonna be a lovely day? No, no, it's it's such a perfect day. That one. Okay. So that was top of the charts for one week. That was like an ad for sweets or something like that. It was a BBC charity single. That's it. that was on top of the charts for one week before being knocked off by the Teletubbies with um, Say Eh Oh. Fucking A. That is Teletubbies Say <laughs> Irish number one single. Same as above. But that was on top for seven weeks as opposed to one. Huh. The Teletubbies did not knock it off. I'm assuming because Teletubbies is Protestant propaganda. I mean, over, over in Ireland they were called On Teletubbies and it wasn't as good. Uh, you know. Number one single in America... It's only bloody still it's Candle in the Wind. Hey! Still. Well, last week, Jack Princess Diana is still tragically a yeah, die. She's so. gone, mate. Yeah. Get over it. And if the Royal Rumble for next month took part three days earlier, it would still be Candle, Candle in, in the, the wind. wind. This was on top of the charts for three months in Jesus the US. Wow! That's uh, amazing! Yeah. UK number one film, Alien Resurrection. Oh, <laughs> So I should point out, I don't know why anyone needs to know this, but when I first got 3D Movie Maker, the very first movie I made on it, I called it Alien Resurrection. Why? <laughs> because I wanted to, I was going to go see it in the cinema and I wanted to make my own version <laughs> that was even better. Because assumedly it's not very good. As we all know, the Irish records for films are still unavailable yeah, to yeah. us. Question mark. Uh, US number one film though, Flubber. Hey. There, we go. there we go. That guy could work. That's true. I mean, that's one of the few things I think that got Brett through Survivor Series in Montreal. Was the flubber? Mm. You know, knowing there was you know something like flubber out there bouncing around. You know, Clancy Brown doesn't know what to make of it. Bowling balls. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and in terms of events, there, there was like we've we've got. Quite a few things happened in December oh of 1997. In sports, on December 1st, in their 81st season, the Montreal Canadiens became the first team in history to play 5,000 NHL games. They did that by hosting the Penguins and then lost. Oh, so lost Penguins. Lost to the Penguins. Nice. That, so the Penguins sounds like I just thought Mighty Ducks there. Like that was some sort of inspirational like, yeah. underdog. This yeah. is their 5,000th game. They'll never win. <laughs> well, the Penguins did, didn't they? <laughs> Even though they're only six years old. <laughs> Japanese train builders Maglev claimed the world speed record <laughs> at 332 <laughs> okay. miles right. per hour. Wait, no, we, we need to set like some sort Billy, of benchmark Billy, for what quality was the on these. Rainfall, though, that nah, year. <laughs> well, I can tell you that more Swedes died and were born in 1997 <laughs> for the first time since 1899. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm in sort of, in sort of culture. We'll go, we'll go to culture now. Please. Um, two days after this paper... Well, is there anyone whose name I have to bleep out? No, no one this time. trial for their crimes against humanity. Like, in The Hague this week. <laughs> two days after this pay-per-view, we get the uh, the premiere of uh, James Bond, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, <laughs> I actually quite like that. That's that what's going to yeah. the Rupert Murdoch villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like that one. We had the premiere of Smack My Bitch Up video. Nice. It was obviously like a very sort of defining moment of late yeah. Nazi's culture. Surprising that wrestling, given that it you know loved its saucy language and all that, never you know. Had... Was that a big deal in America or was that just over more here? It was more of a UK, was was more of a UK thing. Yeah. yeah. We had the premiere of Spice World. Yes. Richie oh, Grant, baby. The final season of Seinfeld was announced. Huh. Wow. That was announced on Christmas Day. 
Or bleak news yeah. on Christmas Day. Well, Jerry doesn't celebrate Christmas, so he just thought, you know, I'll, you know, I'll take it down a bit. It's just a regular Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Back at it. No more Seinfeld. And then uh, finally, we got a premiere of what legit one of my favourite films, as good as it gets. Oh, starring Jack Nicholson. A fine movie. Very nice. Lovely little movie. And if you've not seen it, there's a cracking dog in it. Yes, there is. Yeah, there is that, that little dog. I just imagine Bret Hart in his like you know his his mountaintop retreat in Calgary in his big mansion that he has. That for some reason, anytime I imagine, I always imagine like the Eagles landing from the end of World War II. <laughs> That's Jesus. like the way Brett describes it in his book, it really sounds like mm-hmm. Hitler's special mansion. But I imagine Brett up there, you know, watching Flubber, mm-hmm. watching as good as it gets, finding out about the birthright in Sweden, and maybe yeah. thinking, you know, maybe in 20 or so years I can hit Vince McMahon 26 times with a chair and spit yeah. in the face of Montreal. Maybe it'll know? all work out in the end. Well, Adam, take us back into the world of wrestling a little bit. Let's have a look at some of these magazine covers. Oi, Newsy, what? What's it all about? So December 97, which means we're looking at the January 98 magazine. Of, of course. That's how it works. And we've got in WWF magazine, it's the DX pose. Sean doing yeah. his thing with Triple H still behind him. DX, you make the rules, we'll break them. We'll get into that later on. <laughs> Triple H went, what a man, what a man, what well, a man, that's it. Triple H in his nice little polo shirt literally just looks like Sean's valet here. Like It's it's all about this guy here. And, I, I yeah. like this banner at the top that says, mm. where the expletive are we going? 1998 predictions. predictions. I mean, Jesus, I don't think even they know at that point in time what it's going to be. They must know that, like, Mark Miro and Sable, we've got a good nine-month yeah. plan for these two, baby. <laughs> yeah, like, at the end of it, there's, like, shorts pulled down with those circles that's underlined. <laughs> like. Sean's going to put up a massive stink when he has to give the belt to Austin. <laughs> and speaking of Sable, on Raw magazine, we've got Sonny and Sable in a special two-part collector's competing. edition. Competing covers. Do, do we know which one sold more? Uh, no, I couldn't find the information Ooh. on that. But the headline here is, Hey, Sports Illustrated, bite me. This is a real swimsuit issue. And then, underneath that, Bad Blood. The photos we couldn't use. The night the loose cannon was silenced. Ooh. The, excuse me. Yeah, right there. Like, the night the, the loose cannon silenced. was silenced. Is that on both of the covers? Yeah, yeah, that's on both Sable and Sonny's version. Oh right. my fucking, fucking grotesque. All right, Russo. Okay, you know what, it's it's for the mature you... fan, baby, where we can make jokes about the wrestlers that have died. Yikes. Fucking horrible. That, I mean, I'll say there's been no mention you know, of Pillman Nothing, at no. all. Like, I'm, I'm glad Which is fair, that, yeah. Know. Fucking leave his memory to like rest in peace. Like We don't Jeez, need to keep bringing him up. fucking so Christ. salacious, like the night he was silenced. Well, it's, it's interesting that I'm doing head to head there. Sable and Sonny. Sable had been appearing on the the, the camera a lot more. Sonny being yeah. kind of used still a lot, but it's very well obvious that Sable is the star and Sonny is like the worker, you know, the person who's, who's there to do some jobs. I mean, you Sonny know? is just a ring announcer yeah. these days. That's all she does now is once a week she'll announce a match and that's it. Well, it's time to get into the meat of our pay per view. But before we do that, Here as we, we want to give thanks and praise, you know, given that we obviously, we're all getting together, you know, which is nice, mm-hmm. and being able to record in person is very nice, mm-hmm. I'm sure none of you will mind if you indulge me in a reading from much of me in each of these, and this one is called To My Honeybug. Okay. <laughs> All right, he's in World War Two. All right, you know yeah. that was the big one. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, we know, you know that. Yeah, yeah, we went, went, went. To... It's like the only thing you learned about in history growing up. It was in the, England. Uh, the we, Empire Strikes Back of war. Yeah, we went like... to we went to Europe. We fought the honeybugs. Captain yeah. Captain yeah. Tom was put in carbonite. That's it was very. <laughs> <distressing>. <laughs> 
If you was, and <laughs> if you was, <laughs> great first line. Okay. If you, I think you know, I should read this as Dusty Rose. If you was just a little bug, how happy I would be. I'd never, never take a bath. Because you get soapy, see? I'd hold you close beneath my shirt and always keep you there. You'd be the nicest little bug and not get in my head. <laughs> if you were just a little bug that could whisper, I love you, there'd always be music in my heart and I would not be blue. I'd show you all the things I'd seen and keep you by my side. I'd walk the hill and dale to France, but lucky... You would ride. At night I'd take you in my bed. And we'd have fun, tis true. But you wouldn't have to change your form. Cause I'd be bugs about you. <laughs> and that is to my honey bug. Uh, Sounds like you're looking for a honey bug dream. <laughs> and I'd be your honey bug on night. <laughs> Isn't a honey bug just a bee? <laughs> is, it, is, is that what they call bees in the American South? <laughs> so here we are, D-Generation X. Oh, you've got to talk about this pay-per-view after that. After, I mean, this, this, this far from a fucking sweet honey bug this is. Yeah. I don't know about you, as soon as we opened on this, there was big uh, end-of-term talent show vibes. With yeah. that. The, the, the set it was a big black curtain. And they'd spent all afternoon with their cardboard and glitter doing that big DX. Yeah. They've got a big X made out of steel girders, which looks kind of cool. Yeah. I get that. That's like an insurrection spent thing. Spent too much time on the X and not enough time That's on the D. That's it. The D is literally a big wobbly lowercase D with like a green marker squiggled in yeah. the lines to colour it in very quickly. Like. I mean, look, you can't help but feel like there's there's a, a bad vibe in the air. You scan your eyes across the crowd, you'll see like Hitman was screwed. Why, Brett? Yep. Why? What happened? You know, I don't know why I'm here. Stuff like that. But yeah, to understand like for many wrestling fans the montreal screw job it was like 9-11 for them because like for many of us fans well in the uk it was it was the 9th of november so it was <laughs> the month and the date like you know so for many fans it was not just the nine you know it was a different reading of that like, yeah yeah uh-huh you know uh-huh. you go with the, the day and then the month and yeah the month and the day like, you know it's uh i'll never forget where i was on 11 9 when bret hart was screwed it was uh, an upsetting time for us all just felt it was in the air there you know and i thought it was bad when the federal government came after vince McMahon and his family and then screw job happened fuck me man it was bad vibes like do you feel like it feels like a dx show no what 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 would a DX show look like? I would have like expected them to like run in on every single match. That's it. Or like run in commentary or skits. Yeah. From an aesthetic point of view, it needs more green X's all over the place and more green in general. From like a kayfabe point of view, it needs more DX bullshit. They need to like ruin every single part of this yeah, show. Yeah, c- con- considering like how this promo, this 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 introductory package is all being about how. They run rough shot, mm-hmm. and there's like then there's no like there's no none of, none of that actually here. No, no. I mean they they are very much like just focusing on their own business, really. Like it's not Tonight, as if yeah. DX. Like I thought the vibe of this would be like, oh, they've run off the Heart Foundation, and DX runs the show. But mm. it's just like it's not as if DX are interfering in other people's business. They just come out and talk for fucking hours yeah. and hours. And Shawn Michaels is in the worst way he's been. Since we started this, yeah, season. he's not looking good. No, he, he looks really tired. Bad. He's got a fucking, he's got a lollipop in his mouth for every promo now. Mm. 
yeah, he needs the fucking sugar to keep him going, mate. Jesus like, Christ, this intro package where it's like, how has the WWF changed? And the first say, stage of it is like, ooh, Shawn Michaels is sexy. Yeah, That's how it's changed. And ooh, Triple H, I want you to give me a big kiss <laughs> and degenerate me, which I'm glad they didn't run with that because it's something about, yeah. Um... <laughs> it's a lot of the DX branding is all over the shop at the minute. Like on Raw, every week they change it and they can't make their mind up where he comes out. He's like, you make the rules and we will break them. And then the next week it's like, we're DX. We make the rules and we enforce the rules. And they can't decide on what the actual gimmick on is. On occasion, we may break those rules, but mm. other times they may be made. He's really bad on the mic these days. Like, say what you want about how boring 2000 Triple H is, but he was coherent and he had yeah. a point and he would eventually get around to that point. Shawn Michaels is just fucking off the I, chain I, I don't think he's ever really been good on the mic. Not Shawn. really. No. no. He's not I mean, one he's of the got people... charisma, but he's not like... No one ever says he's one of the great talkers. No, no, he can, he can talk, but he, he has talker. physical charisma yeah. in and the like, ring. And, and like a back, backstage package, you know. Yeah, you can he, do those. He, fine. He can do those yeah. fine. But when you're just getting him talking a yeah. promo, I've never enjoyed his promos. It feels like, you know, he doesn't know as a character what he thinks about Bret Hart leaving. Mm. And at the start, I thought, is it like okay, we don't want to mention Bret, so we're not going to kind of dwell on it, the fact that he's vanquished his biggest enemy in wrestling ever, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. in an on and off camera, he's meant to be, we're all meant to believe, you know, that he hates Brett and this is a big thing, he's gone now. Yep. And it's maybe because they don't want to go into the nitty gritty of Montreal and what everyone knows, mm-hmm. but he like, now and then he's like, yeah, I rolled the hitman out of here, but he doesn't seem like at peace or change no. I, I, I at think, all. I think he's guilty. Yes. I think he feels massively sure. guilty. It's the beating of the hideous hitman! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's... I think there's a lot... You have to forgive me. There's a lot of projection going to be going on here tonight from me because one thing season four has done and coming back to it after our big hiatus is that I've just become the biggest fucking Bret Hart fan in the world. Like, yeah. honestly, I love the guy. I really see things from his viewpoint. I empathise with him. I think he's like a really, like legitimate honest character in wrestling and there's not many of those and it just feels like the air's been let out of everyone's balloon a little bit like yeah. jr and king just when they're opening up they're like hey man mm. it doesn't feel yeah. like the razzmatazz is there i don't know considering that montreal and the birth of mr mcmahon is one of those many off to the races moments it's very dour actually at the minute like there's a big pall that's been thrown over the whole product yeah well, it's like what we said at the end of the last episode you know the precedent's been set now this could be any this could have happened to any one that's of it us yeah if we just as much as look at vince the wrong if way if we'll treat bret hart this way then what chance are people yeah. like fucking takamich and oh and listen to vince in his in his promos with jr where he's like JR, of course he sold out. I helped him do it. And he goes, and I suspect there will be a line around the corner down by my office of people saying, Mr. McMahon, Vince, please help me sell out like mm. Brad Hart. I'd like to get seven figures a year. I'm very glad that he sold out. And of course, the other little ditty that he dropped in, which with the big smile on his face, and it's the last thing he says in those promos is, it's just a shame, JR, that Brett had a chance to prove he actually was mm. the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever, and he'll never be that now. Oh. You know, just like definitively saying Brett canonically is not as good as we said he was. Yeah. It was all just our hyperbole. And it's his fault that he's not as good. But hey, Brian Christopher opening us up. 
There you go. Coming out to Dross's music for some reason. It is the finals of the Light Heavyweight Championship Tournament as Too Sexy Brian Christopher takes on Too Good for This Takamichi Noku. And let me tell you something. I think this crowd did the wrestling tonight a great service. The crowd, even though there is that kind of sense of something wrong with breath being gone, they gave these guys like big reactions. Yeah. They treated mm. like a big, big deal. I would say rightfully so, to be fair. Like, even though Taka is probably too good for all of 97 WWF, this light heavyweight tournament I've been really fucking enjoying, mm. and it's given me such an amazing appreciation for Brian Christopher yeah. that I've never had before. This he's guy a can go. He's a brilliant heel. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's great in the ring, and also his character. It used to work me so much, the whole, like, him laughing and the being... The Ripperoo laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being an insufferable tit. And when he does that and it's just him laughing and nothing else, that is annoying. When it was too much, that but, was, yeah. Yeah, when there's not really a lot of thought behind it. But this heel work that he's been doing, the hit, like the proper Panto, Butlins, horrible, nasty man, and there's my dad sat on commentary. Like, it's so fucking good. There was a point on Raw where Jerry Lawler told him to go get Sable's phone number. Mm. And it was like the son going to his creep dad. I'm gonna go do it. And he's like walking up, going, "Come on, baby!" Like he's rubbing his nipples. Like, "Come on, baby, you want to get my phone number? Come on!" Yeah. <laughs> and then he literally like starts tonguing his biceps, like a baby oil in his fucking mouth. <laughs> There's a commitment to the bit there. Yeah. And I love him coming out as well. The classic Memphis heel. He's ripping up the fucking signs. Yep. You know. And Jerry Lawler going, "At a boy, Brian." <laughs> if there's one issue I have, it's that Jr. Literally every five seconds. Is like, because oh, you're his dad, aren't you? He's your, your son. Got your boy over here. It's like, all right, you've said that a lot now. <laughs> I really Jim. enjoyed Brian like taking one of the signs that says Taka, ripping it up and wiping it on his bum, and then Jerry just saying, "I tell you what, I wish he was my son." Oh, <laughs> that's a good wiping technique he's got right there. Taka has got such nonchalance. It's like, yeah, he's just like this. I love that you get sometimes with like Japanese performers where they just have this kind of focus almost. His character is somebody's going to be high-fiving the fans when he comes out. It's mm. like, you know, he's there, he's going to do something spectacular. If you're going to be along and enjoy the ride, you know? I tell you what is a stomach-churning sight is, like, on Raw before Taka debuted, when they show you, like, the footage of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard at a press conference shaking hands with Taka in a suit, and knowing that Bruce Pritchard as well, like, oh, yeah, he's got some ideas about a very racist yeah. dubbing gimmick that you're I've, I've been practising my impressions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I'll tell you what. Brian fucking Christopher, early on this one, he gets a shot in the mouth. I think Ooh. he heads over the guardrail. Yeah. And oh my God. Like it was at the start, I wasn't enjoying it because they were doing a lot of that Memphis stop and taunt. And I'm like, come on, Tack is here. Let rip. I want to see this light heavyweight action. But once they kicked it into high gear, this was one mm. of the best fucking matches we've seen all season long, I think, yeah. honestly. Excellent. There's no one on the roster at the moment quite like Taka. Yeah, seriously. So it's like a very much a breath of fresh air after what we've had this season. And even like what we saw of Taka before, because we saw Taka before like put into a small little tiny box with a little like stereotype label put on it and maybe we'll bring him out for some hardcore brawls or a Royal Rumble and he's out here like opening the show doing a fucking springboard planche to the outside yeah like fucking the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen and the people come alive for it as yeah. well like the crowd is so into him and it's just a shame that it's so short lived because after Wrestlemania he's like 
but he's just resorted to kind well, that's it. it like it's wrestlemania is sort of like almost the end of this tacker run yeah. yeah but i still can't help but feel like this is probably the apex of it i don't see them topping this match here with tacker no. between now and wrestlemania i mean i know that i'm th- pretty sure he defends the the belt a couple of times i'm on sure we'll see view, him yeah but i think what it is is i mean in my mind i always thought it was it's less to do with the fortunes of takamichi noku and it's more to do with vince mcmahon and his on again and mostly off again relationship with wanting to book light heavyweights mm-hmm. and having a light heavyweight division. And because Taka is the guy who's known to be like, it's light heavyweight division, it's Taka's division. Mm-hmm. And the fact then that he loses interest in the division means he loses interest in Taka. Yep. And Vince McMahon at this, like, the fact that Brian Christopher is a light heavyweight and this dude is fucking jacked. They talk about that in commentary. Yeah. Like, base, Jerry says that, like, Brian is like two pounds under the cutoff point yeah. of being considered a light heavyweight um, and then comparing it to Taka by saying if Taka lost another pound we'd have to file a missing person <laughs> which is a, which is a great fucking line fantastic oh, i tell you what I love when Brian was bleeding and Jerry took out a napkin and started dabbing the sauce from his mouth <laughs> like a good dad like he's eating too many ribs <laughs> when Jerry leaves commentary you know to go be with him for a second I don't know what it is. Like we mentioned this like way earlier in the season that people talk about like death very willy nilly. Mm. I don't know if you heard what Jerry said like off mic when he was talking to him. Come on, get in there and kill him. Kill him, Brian. Kill him. Get in there and kill him. That's such ninety-seven language. They never Six say that. Times. Kill, kill him. Kill him. him. <laughs> kill him. JR loves showing their faces. Well. Like when, when King goes back, he's like, "Oh, check this out. Look at this. I got, got to land up here." Your boar getting a <laughs> boar getting a moonsault. How about that? Like, show him the other one as well. I want to see him get the drop kick in the face. Brian is in control. He's got some sweet fucking moves. Let mm-hmm. me tell you, that face plant full Nelson forward. Yeah. Kind of, it's like Jarrett's uh, stroke finisher. He can really wrestle. It's so good. And when he's got that evil grin and the blood is streaming mm-hmm. down, he's like, yeah. Oh man. And he does that thing where like it's it's a very fine talent I think because you can either do it so over the top that it's terrible or you can do it just right and he does it just right where the crowd start chanting Jerry's kid and he is fucking livid. Mm. Like he stands on the on the turnbuckle he's like Waving screaming arms, at yeah. them like you stop chanting that. He reminds me of Owen, honestly. Yes. You know? Yeah, very similar I, I, energy. I, I, honestly, if I heard myself saying that in 2013 I would have like washed my mouth out with soap but yeah. genuinely speaking I think it's so funny like so often you start watching wrestling at a point and people who are already in positions and you can't see right then and there in front of you why they're in this position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go back a few months and go, well, they did all this shit. Exactly. It's like Ahmed Johnson figuring out why he was positioned as he was. You go back like a year or two and you see he's doing all this fucking uh-huh. great shit and the fans love it. Precisely. So yeah, always check your... If, you're, if you have an undying hatred of someone wrestling, it's worth just rewinding back a couple of months and seeing what the whole mm-hmm. story is. The slow descent of Brian Christopher from guy who's got the match in hand to guy who gets a bit cocky to guy who gets frustrated and then just has it slip out of his hands yeah. was so fucking... Because he starts, like, dancing, like, right before he loses. Yep. And, like, one second later, he's, like, you know, freaking out with what the fans are saying to him. Taka manages to get the Michinoku driver after Tennessee Jam misses. And when Taka picks up the three count, Jerry just goes, No! Yeah. And the crowd pops so hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
It's my, one of the pop, apart from like the Austin pop you're always going to get, yeah. I'd probably say this is the biggest pop of the night. Red Heart. Sure. And this is like the, the dawn of this new division. They've mm. just crowned the first champion. They make more like, reaction for Taka than The Undertaker later on. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I, like, honestly, and Taker's not been on TV like all month long. Mm-hmm. They've been holding him back. So, yeah. Taka Michinoku is every bit as good as your favourite wrestler said he was back mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. Like, you know, unbelievable match. And honestly, that match filled me full of hope because yes. I went into this, I don't know about you guys, really, really expecting, because I do a few in your houses for how to wrestling on our Patreon. I was really expecting this to be an hour and 50 minutes. Oh, we were talking about Not this Not longer than WrestleMania 13. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of these things where we kept referring to it and looking forward like, oh, well, it'll only be a short one. It'll be nice and easy. It'll be a nice short one. A quick Cheeky recording. Little nine minutes, yeah. Two hours, 40. Fuck you. What the hell? 47 or more like that. Right? In your house. I did like the celebration of the ring afterwards with the photographers and you know, yeah. The, yeah. The, the officials shaking Make their it a hands big deal. and all that. And King, did you see him? Like, I only caught him on the, the camera when they were in the ring like a tacker king literally had his hands over his eyes he wouldn't Aww. he wouldn't look at the monitor and he was like he's like come yeah can i look can i Jared's like it's okay your boy's gone special mention to that nice magenta strap on the light heavyweight Ooh, belt as well nice, very yeah. classy looking very nice indeed hey how are we gonna stretch it in your house for two hours 50 minutes anyway <sighs> it's time for six man tag team action <sighs> as los Bariquas. Take on DOA, and I, I shit you not, bar one match on Raw in the last month, these lads haven't even been on fucking no, TV. No, no. It's just wheeling them out. Yeah, just for the like, Where are the fucking, where's the minis division? You're giving us this shit yeah. instead. Well, look. Where's I'm... the future of this division, Kurgan? <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said last time, Jim, that this is good, you know, we're going to, this isn't the last we've seen of him. Yeah. And it fucking was. Well, Billy, I'm telling you, the new millennium's coming. It's going to be the era of Kurgan and Ken Shamrock. They will be oh. leading the way for many of us into the future. Look, I can tell why they were put on pay-per-view tonight. Because it was Los Barricas' big chance to shine. Because not only are they coming out, getting an entrance, not currently in the ring, Los Barricas, they even all get named tonight. We get all their names. And they even get to do a special rap when they come out. Steam. It has grown on me considerably. I love it. But these lads should have been given microphones. There was big, like, the footballer who doesn't know the national anthem yeah. aggressively mouthing it wrongly. They, had, his... they had mics, and that's my issue. Oh, is... what happened then? There was too I many think they were just them. pretending. I, I think uh, there was. No noise was coming out. When you get. No, I think when you get too many Muslim men like this and they're all kit, like rapping and singing in the same pitch and it just becomes like a muddy mm. mess of sound. Like, there's one on YouTube, there's a performance of Goldie Looking Chain on T4 doing one of their songs and it's like eight of them all with a microphone doing the same chorus going. 
It's just, it's too manly, I think, to have that many blokes on the mic at once. They all like looking to the camera, like right, you're right down the barrel, like, yep, I'm in the lost periquis, so I am. I fucking loved how shit it was. It was so funny. And like, Savio Vega, he couldn't help but show the disappointment on his face, thinking this was the big moment that he'd been promised you know, when he got his own team, oh, gets to do a rap and everything. coming out party for them. Do you think they did the actual rap themselves on the... Did they, had Jim Johnson have them in the in the booth? Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I've not seen footage of them with one hand on the cans, like, looking through the glass. And Rick so. James giving the first Exactly, <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> you know. I'm it would be the Rick James in this case. <laughs> so, you know. I must admit that I like the Barikas, the fact that they seem to be wearing, like, last month's gear and the month before that gear on top of it as well. They've got a yeah. lot of kit on them, haven't they? I was very much one with the crowd with mm-hmm. this match because I too, like the crowd, was distracted by how hairy Miguel Perez Jr. Oh, yeah. is. He's, he's, he he's one of the shame. He's one of the hairiest men I've ever seen. Yeah. To the point where the, the crowd are chanting, shave your back yeah. throughout all of this match. It's a proper Robin Williams kind of hair suit. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got no notes about this match <laughs> other, other than the state of his back and this match is dull. Itch on a hot day because oh, I mean, for like, sure. oh, for sure. I, I, I thank God every day for my fine body hair. I've got yes. coarse facial hair, but mm. fine body hair, mm-hmm. so I don't have problems with shirts. But like, I feel like some of that shoulder hair that's got a tug on a Surely. you know, a shirt that's got like a thick stitching yeah. around the armpit. Yeah. Oh my god, no, thank you. Well, it looks like all the pressure's on Kevin here because the only thing I wrote for this one is someone's gonna get hurt here. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only you, it was also the announcers who didn't like have a lot to look forward to in this one because Crush is like, injured, he's not out here tonight. Mm. King goes, even without Crush, this is gonna be a train wreck. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> and you know, it's saying something when fucking Kona Crush is the ring general. Yeah, like, you know? legit. And Savio is the man who sent to the back. He gets ejected immediately. And why, the referee's like, no, 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 that song was really bad. You get out of here, you go to the back. Why didn't ha- Why even have Savio come out? Like, Surely you need him to be the glue to hold this. Put him, put him on, the word, put him on like, commentary or like... Something. I would, I would have had him. I love, I love it. I know it's such a fucking stereotype and a trope in wrestling. But anytime you've got like you know a Spanish language wrestler who just heads over to the Spanish language announce team and they have a little chat, or even when China did that one time, yeah. there's something so fucking cool about a wrestler just being like, oh yeah, speaking another language. Yes. How has Cesaro never went down to the five or six right. different ones ago? Every single one. Yeah. Chat, chat with the Italian guys, chat with the French ones, the yeah. German. Like, why is it? It's so cool, you know. Savio sent to the back. That was really I don't know, irked me for whatever reason. They're not even doing anything either. Like no. the match hasn't even really. Started and Tim, Tim was like, "No, not you, Savio. I just don't like the look of you." Like, look, I've got lots of notes to get through here, guys. So yeah, please <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. We ain't got now to say. There are DOA chants in this match, which I don't think I'd heard before. DOA. DOA chants. This crowd was pretty much. I think they had a mic in here for the Attitude game that was coming out because they were chanting DOA. They chant three sixteen later on. When oh Austin yeah, comes out, yeah. Like, generous crowd. Let's go, player one. Maybe this is what Paul Ettering was watching. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get my eye on these two. <laughs> Too busy on that internet. I found out in this match from listening to commentary that Jesus and Jose Estrada are both second generation wrestlers. How about that? And Jose oh. Estrada was dressed like Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> all, all three of these men are juniors. Really? Yeah, uh, Jesus Castillo Jr., Jose Estrada Jr., and Miguel Perez Jr. Oh, 
all, all three of them are juniors. I'm call the juniors. The kids of... could call you Jeju. <laughs> <laughs> so they did one thing in this match, which was the main story of the match, and I have to take my hat off to the DOA and to the Los Pericas because they worked me good and proper. Because Miguel Perez, he jumps off the top rope to do like an axe handle and he lands and goes, Oh! Yeah, like yes. he's overextended yeah. his knee. And he rolls to the outside. You have like a few members of the Bricos, they cycle out, they go over and they check on him. The referee checks on him. And I legitimately thought he had hurt himself. Yeah. It's one of the most convincing things you can do is when you take like a clunky kind of crap tag yeah. team wrestler and pretend that they've been hurt. And I'll be like, well, I've, obviously I buy that. Like It's like Sin Cara <laughs> feigning an injury. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, obviously he's hurt for real. And the the only time when I suspected something was up was when Savio came in. He's like, right, put me in the match. And Tim White's like, no, fuck you. He's in the match. He works hurt or he doesn't work at all. Like So that, that for me kind of gave it away. But it was probably one of the most legit presentations yeah. of guy is hurt and then that was how we get the uh, the finish Death Valley Driver by Chains but Miguel Perez comes in and he does a really sweet snappy flipping senton leg drop yeah. and, like, Wham! and that was a really cool like quick you know, headshot finish. Yeah. Barikas pick up the win. I was just delighted to see the Barikas win, honestly. That's for something, once, yeah. You know? Yeah, you got me, Savio Vega. And JR says, this wasn't robbery. It was petty larceny. Implying that, like, uh, stealing a win from the DOA is worth less than $10,000, I guess. Like, you know? And then the DOA celebrates. <laughs> you lost, you fucking idiots. <laughs> fucking idiots. Yeah, so, I mean... I don't know if you guys enjoyed that match or not. No, not really. I, I liked the finish and I liked I liked M- Miguel feigning injury. I think like Miguel being hairy. I liked his back. I liked his back and, and you know, he, he was hairy and scary. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a lot of people who will tell you that gang war was gang wars was diminishing returns. And those people are right, but what they don't tell you, or what they won't tell you, those other wrestling podcasts, is, is that the returns don't diminish quite as quickly as you might think. Mm. It is less than, but not quite as much less than as you would have thought. I wish it was more, because I, <laughs> I, I, I'm done with this. I'm, Adam, I'm just amazed at how many times they've managed to circle the drain. Keep going, yeah. cheering on. Like, I, I going. can't even remember. Was that? Did we have any gang war at WrestleMania 14? I'm pretty sure the DOA and maybe the Bariquas are represented in the tag the team battle, battle royal. royal. That's it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Savio was, or one of the Bariquas was in the Brawl Frog tournament. Yes, I Savio, you're right. I think yeah, Savio yeah. was. I think he got injured in the Brawl Frog. That was Probably. the last thing that happened with him, and he disappeared then. Backstage, whoa, man, Oof. it's me, Doc Hayes, and I am standing by with the un and only Butter Bean. All right, thank you, JR. As you can see, Butter Bean is more than ready for competition. He's flanked by his manager, Art Door, his trainer, former IBF super middleweight champion, Murray Sutherland. And I got to say, you're going to make pay-per-view history here. Last night, you competed successfully on a pay-per-view. 24, less than 24 hours later, now you take on marvelous Mark Murrow. And that should be commended. But I got to ask you, do you really think you're 100% at this point? You know, Doc, even if I wasn't 100%, my adrenaline's going to push me through it. Last night was just a warm-up. Mark Miro's got his hands full tonight. The way he treats Sable, I'm ready to... I, I don't even want to talk about it. Butterbean, what do you think about all this stuff that's going on with Mark Miro? Well, I think what's going on with Mark Miro is kind of... It's kind of, just kind of coming down with Sable. I mean, Sable's... You know, who knew this was Butterbean's voice? Yeah. Did you know? No. no. 
I literally up, up until this like past month of Raw episodes, the only thing I'd heard Butterbean say was, "And I'm Butterbean from Jackass." <laughs> <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville, and I'm Butterbean. And I'm Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, were you expecting to see this man again in season four? No, I was not. I yeah. got very excited though as soon as I heard. <laughs> yeah. uh, at the very at the top of the pay per view, you say, "Oh, by the way, Mark Miro is going to fight Butterbean." I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be great." Is Bart, uh, is Bart Gunn booked tonight? Like, you know? I, I kept here. IBF champion as IBS champion though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's called Butterbean because you know, the, the amount of beans he eats, he's got a bad gastrointestinal tract. Billy, sorry, you're not coming on this fucking podcast and saying that eating a lot of beans is going to give you Uh-oh. fucking. Are you going to cure your IBS with beans? That's listen, you at home. <laughs> Don't listen. You will d- eat your beans. Don't listen to Billy or Butterbean. All right? You know, we got to break down the stigma here. Or we'll get some bean assist. That's what we have in our house. If we have a meal with plenty of beans in it, we take out our little tablets that are called bean assist from Holland and Barrett, and it helps you have a nice settled tummy after all them beans. <laughs> I thought you were just saying beanus like it was a penis and a bean. And you were in the mud like, in the mire of the edge. You're like, <laughs> like, there's that weird baked bean clown on youtube it's called Beanus. what Venus the clown look at look at Beanus the clown i don't he's want a, to he's a baked bean themed clown oh. well look we've got a baked bean themed tough man here instead he and he's got a comedy voice to make all the children laugh they have brought in butterbean to be in the crowd while mark marrow is out being you know marvelous mark marrow the boxing gimmick bringing out sable and being more and more aggressive now with sable and way 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 more on the nose with the whole storyline and they would just kind of go into the crowd and be like, Butterbean, what do you think of that? And he's like, well, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing with Sable. She seems like a really nice lady. I don't know why he's, he's acting like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, Butterbean is fighting for the pride of Sable. Yeah. Well, maybe Sable will become Mrs. Butterbean after this match. <laughs> it's weird as well, because unlike week one of Butterbean being in the crowd, it's like, oh, Butterbean, we understand you were here because last night you were doing a weigh-in for an athletic commission. And it's like, oh, okay, so he was in the area. And there's like four more weeks of Butterbean just following them around the country I guess my favourite thing that happened with that is Jim Cornette reacting to Butterbean when he runs into the ring and the only thing he can say about Butterbean coming in and clearing house is that's the biggest pair of Zabaz I've ever seen Zabaz Zabaz also bullshit you've seen plenty of massive yeah. losers in your time there's though. a bigger pair of Zabaz up in my upstairs wardrobe for I, Christ's sake I bet fucking Yoko was wearing Zubas backstage in the new gen era honestly like. I think the three of us could fit I've got a I, when I first bought Zabaz Stop saying Zubaz. <laughs> That's how we, we've pronounced it wrong the whole time. It's Shenmue all over again. It's, it wasn't Zubas, it was Zubaz. I've got a pair and I reckon the three of us could all fit into it. Like, oh, on, the, yeah. like on the gong show or something. <laughs> Walking around in Zubas. One of us would have to sit cross-legged to beat the package in the middle though. That's the only thing. You saying Zubaz just reminds me of when, when we taught you the word Wazak. And, 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 and you insisted on pronouncing it Wazak. Wazuka <laughs> was my other uh, pronunciation. We have Michael Cole who's backstage with the lovely Sable. And he just wants to know, Sable, what's going on? Let's have a look at this video of the young rivalry between Mark Merrow and Sable. Now, <laughs> referring to a husband and wife as having a young rivalry yeah. is a little bit fucking yeah. weird. Now, I remember where we were at when we first started at WrestleMania 14. They had gone like whole hog, like, you know, Sable's mad property and all that. And I thought, it's going to be slow. Because at Survivor Series, he was like, hey, stop chatting about Sable. You know, Mark Merrow here, guys. Yep. Serious business. Back from return. And literally the next week, he's like, you get your 
your hands yeah. off my property. He looks right in the camera. At my property is sable. Yeah. <laughs> he's like exploding with rage. So he's going to be like doing this solidly for four months. That's it. Like, he's blown shocking. his car. Like, I, I, I thought I knew it inside and out. And he's like, no one can touch my property sable but me and the law of the land states I can do whatever I want with my property. It's the same as if I owned a TV set. Like, it's all right, mate, fucking hell. You want to talk about shocking? How about Sable coming out with a fucking black eye on week two of this angle? Oh. And the commentary team are all like, oh, well, Mark Miro claims that she got kicked by a horse. At least that's what he says. Apparently, according to the dirt sheets, she got kicked by a horse for real. That was a real black eye. Uh, everything, like. I, everything I read up said it was meant to be like a, a subtle alluding to her getting beaten by Mark Mero. Yes, subtle in fucking inverted uh, commas. How many horse injuries are we going to have this fucking season? It's this, is number, brother, this is like. number three. <laughs> Do you reckon it's the same horse? Serial <laughs> <laughs> horse. Like, you know. You have to kill it or get rid of it, mate. Yeah. Like, Shit's cowboy Bret Hart. He's riding to town <laughs> on an ordinary horse. Like. Just imagine wrestlers getting into their cars and a horse comes from under the back seat. <laughs> the, the only thing I'll say about why I didn't buy the sable actually being hit by a horse and thinking that it was Russo and them trying to do like a beating the fucking wife angle, like it's so fucking tasteless, is A. We know as soon as they could do it again, they did it again because yeah. we had Chaz and his, yeah. his wife and they did the exact same thing except they literally, the announcers go, Chaz beat her. Beating his girlfriend. Yeah. And also as well, they said that she got kicked in the head by a fucking horse and then she's got a little like, little black yeah. eye. It wasn't hoof shaped. Like, if you get kicked <laughs> in the head with a horse, you get fucking brain damage. Yeah, you mean right? hospital. Jesus Christ almighty. So, Mero's promo stuff he's got a good intensity about him. Like, mm. he's way more into it. I thought he'd be, like, awkward or not want... Like, you'd think he'd be a bit more awkward it's and not weird. want to do it's it. It's weird, a weird thing to do. Yeah. He's, like... I'm impressed by him throwing himself into it, but I'm also, like, depressed by how much he threw himself into it. Yeah, it's... Like, it, it undid their relationship. You can't tell me it yes, didn't. Yes, absolutely. And as much as I like Miro being so over the top, like you say, this is the start of like a nine-month feud and he's already at 100% on the rage meter. And with him being so close on the card to Brian Christopher, who's doing a similar like over the top, yeah. I'm crazy mm. outraged, I'm so mad. He just, I can't help but compare the two in my head. Yeah, so here we go. As it is announced, it is now time for the special tough man fight. It yeah. makes it sound so shit and rinky-dink. Tell you what, Billy, right, for your birthday, we'll have a special tough man fight. <laughs> yeah. We'll get him in. It'll be very tough, these men here. What are the rules of the special tough man fight? That's just boxing. Four two-minute rounds, and if it goes the distance, oh, I hope it does, the referee is the judge. The sole judge. And that's, cool. that's tough, is it? So it's a, basically, a slightly more rinky-dink version of boxing. I was like, going to say, or an even more rinky-dink version of Brawl for All. Pretty much. We ain't even got a point system. I was nah. there with my scorecard mm. printed off all ready to go. No, not tonight. Oh, and you know what? That the whole point of this is they're trying to make out that like, Butterbean, yeah, he's a tough man and he's also had lots of boxing experience. Mark Miro, he can box as well. We could see a little bit of footage of Miro doing Golden we Gloves. Did. We did. And Lightning fast One hands. of the ways we could warm up for this match to get everyone ready to see it was we had Mark Miro take on Jerry the King Law on Raw and Miro's there and they have like a 10 minute match and Miro's there doing his boxing punches on Laura like hitting him repeatedly with like jabs and hooks and Laura's like ha ha and just not selling any of it boxing's not real <laughs> barely put Lola away on TV and barely managed it it actually reminds me that Butterbean even though he's got a boxing championship 
his bread and butter, what he's known for, it's it's tough man contests, yes. mm. not not boxing primarily. Mm-hmm. And tough man contests is that like world? Is that different from like the Mark Henry stuff, like World's Strongest Man and all that? I'm assuming. Yeah, I feel like tough man contests are still like a combat thing. I think, yeah. whereas World's Strongest Man is more about feats of strength. All right, we have to talk a little second about Butterbean's entrance music. Ah, it's so proper sitcom music. Can't find it anywhere. Oh, oh, I don't know. I, I, I know exactly. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, uh, wait, I know, I know this. I know no, this. No, no, you're gonna say Bam Bam, aren't no, you? No, I'm not. Uh, no. Go on. So Bam Bam Bigelow. He used it. He had. He has the version where it just goes. No sacks. We got no mini sacks. But the man he faced in the main event of WrestleMania 11, Big LT, Lawrence Taylor, the NFL player. Yeah, he gets the sack. He gets the. Oh, it's beautiful. So I'm not sure if he beat Bam Bam to get the theme. <laughs> it's, it's like the Becker theme or something. It's yeah. just like a forgettable sitcom. It's like, it's like Ken Shamrock's... I tell you what, Jim Johnson, every fucking day, I just have to... I'm watching wrestling from this period of time. I go, that man, just the fucking king. The, the, the real talent. The real deal yeah. right there. I got worried once they started to once we got told what Butterbean's boxing record is at this time. Mm. Meryl's one was actually more impressive, wasn't it? Meryl had like forty five knockouts or something like that. No, 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 I actually looked it up. He doesn't. Oh so, was it red was it hyperbole? So, so Butterbean at this time is thirty seven, one and one. Okay, that's a so good that's, record. That's a great record. Is that yeah. wins or knockouts? That's that's win, draw, okay. loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end of his career, he's seventy seven, ten, four. Still great. Yeah. Still, still, still great. From what I could find, I could not find an amateur boxing record for Miro. Really? I know that he his did box. Sarah, his Syracuse from, Golden Gloves from, Championship. So, so, as far as I can see, he entered four tournaments mm-hmm. and won every single one of those matches. That was 15 matches over four tournaments right. and got four number one prizes yeah the golden glove awards okay and then he stopped boxing because he broke his nose right <laughs> which is the most important tool in the boxing match of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah yeah of all the injuries didn't stop you make you go to boxing my nose but yeah so he doesn't actually have he, his boxing record is 15 and zero but it's, it's kind of based mm. in this amateur yeah. tournament competition i mean yeah. the little bit of footage they show it was genuinely impressive I was surprised. Why did he put that in his his entrance video? I I was really surprised we didn't see more of that. 25 seconds until we get our first boring chant in this one, folks. Butterbean's holding back massively. Surprisingly, it's not over in two seconds. It's it's like watching Dragon Ball Z and seeing Goku pull a punch. Like, (laughs) it's like, this is wrong. It had big Roddy Piper, Mr. T boxing Mm. match vibes, Mm. except. Mark Merrill wasn't frustrated. This is going exactly as he he thought it would. That's the problem of bringing boxing into wrestling yeah. especially when it's a current boxer exactly Billy this is, you're basically telling me it's no Evander Holyfield versus Matt Hardy that's what you're telling me right <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you, you, you can't have a current boxer come in and then kill one of your guys mm-hmm. but then it does the boxer no favours when they're clearly pulling punches and it does worse, makes, them, think, makes yeah. them look like a chump it should have been like, because obviously this is a work. It's not like Brawl for All, but it should have been like the Bar Gun match where Butterbean just comes out and fucking kills Miro and that's it. Like, yeah. if, if you want to do this whole thing where it's like, we got Butterbean and look how tough he is, then just have it end straight but, like, away. But they know that Butterbean isn't even... Like, Butterbean's a set dressing. This is 
all about Sable. Like, you know, so they could have just done thing mm. where Sable waves to the crowd, Butterbean's like, Butterbean sees Marrow's distracted and knock him out. And Marrow would have lost literally nothing from that. That's it. We don't need four rounds of them yeah, hitting we, each other. We go the distance. It's fucking Rocky Four here, folks. Yeah. We're going the whole goddamn way until someone dies in the fucking ring here tonight. It is a long fucking encounter. Jerry Lawler and JR, they really, really could give two fucks about mm-hmm. this. They do not want to be calling boxing. They're like preempting the lack of enthusiasm for Brawl for All. Yeah. The highlight is when Jerry Lawler at the start goes, Look at Butterbean! There's food in his mouth! That's a mouth guard, King. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit early on where uh, Mero takes a little tumble. Yeah. <laughs> and he, we get some glancing blows. You know, I you will know? say, as much as I don't care for this, Mero doing his big villain selling for Butterbean. He, w- he was is an great. entertaining heel. He here. bumps around a lot to make Butterbean look tough. And he's, he's not afraid to look like a fool doing mm. it. And you're you're building on the thing they've been doing in the matches, which is he's been hitting below the belt. That's what he's yes. been doing behind the rest back. And they have him trying to go for those like low shots and low blows and stuff. Into the second round, he starts doing things, Mero, like using his knee, like resorting to other appendages on his body. He tries to strangle Butterbean with tape. Yeah. As if that's going to do anything. There is a drop kick at the end of round two. Yeah. So I was looking forward to the end of the round, going, like, what wrestling move will I get next? You the know? Marvelocity off the top. And, like, at this point, I was asking myself, is Butterbean just, like, dumb or something? Because, like, like there's nothing. There's, there's been lots of reasons where you're like, all right, this is why Mero is doing what he's doing. But then there's been no logical reason given as to why Butterbean is acting the way he is. Like, they should have said, like, he drugged his water or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, you know, he stabbed him in the back before. I, I feel something. like what they're getting at is that, like, he's toying with Mero. He doesn't want the match to be over, so he's, like, savouring it and not mm. going for the knockout straight away. But it doesn't come across. Well, we really. They didn't flurry. tell us that on commentary, though. Mm. No. We I mean, didn't tell us that on commentary. We got many flurries in lines such as, here comes the bean. <laughs> here comes the bean. Um, I, at this point, was really hoping it rain three that Butterbean would win just so I could hear his theme mm-hmm. and then we get in the middle of it Eesh! the stats came in on the screen and it's basically like Bruce Pritchard hit a random number generator it's like yeah Mero's hit uh, 22% of his body shit. sure, sure, sure yeah, yeah. Who, who came up with that the referee was it <laughs> <laughs> Mero gets uh, KO'd locked on his ass at the end of round three mm-hmm. but he still gets up, but he's okay. He's safe by the bell. Like the referee starts right, doing okay. the ten count, but the bell expires, so it's all all right. Mero gets doused in a bucket, and it's the spit bucket. But like I was, when they do it, it looked like it was thick, and Mero's mm. like, yeah, and all like, like it's all like you know, gloopy and viscous. Oh. But Jr. and King, they ruined it. They were like, oh, that's got to be ice cold water. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the ice bucket, I think. No, he said it was the spit bucket. It's a spit bucket. So that's when you spit into. Do I you thought have a spit bucket. It was a big boxing? bucket full of all of butter being spit. No. And then the thing is that Mar- Mark Merrill was like trapped in like a film of it, and he's like, no. He had to like cut open like an archiving board. <laughs> is that what makes it a tough guy contest? You have, you have a big spit bucket between rounds. <laughs> So Butterbean hits him again, and then we get a low blow and the stool shot because Mero's boxing guys are heel now. They're like, yeah, get yeah. that stool. That stool shot, he hits him with the non-gimmicked end. Yeah. Hitting him leg first, and he ah. just, just looks like it hurts. Shades of Piper and Mr. T yeah. again, yeah. And then Mero realises, oh, I'm supposed to hit him with this end. With the flat part. Yeah. And I think, like... It was something which, you know, had a spectacular finish in the sense that, you know, we had this big kind of kerfuffle and then we had, you know, Mero getting bopped again. 
The problem was, was that Mero, A, was wearing the boxing gloves, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously you can't eat a fucking ham sandwich when you're wearing your boxing gloves. Mm-hmm. And also we had viscous spit all over the ring apron. Did you see um, when he tried to do kind of a comedy flop and then he just fucking tumbled out of the ring and he landed mm-hmm. right in his oh, fucking geez. neck and shoulders? It was so... You could see him like trying to grab the ropes and realising he can't. He's just like, what? And the crowd laughed. And like, it was one of those things where, yeah, it looked like a pratfall because he's literally like, Whoa, on spit. But he, if you imagine there, like he's just a month back from injury. He nearly went right back on the shelf, I think. Jesus. It was messy. It was a fucking train wreck, this thing. The highlight, other than Butterbean Steam, was that Butterbean still has George Lucas as his manager. <laughs> but yeah, a far cry from WrestleMania 15, this. But special mention, like you say, to Mark Miro's corner guy and his ring crew, because like he just cheated and he DQ'd himself like a massive baby, and they're like walking away, slapping him on the back, like, yeah, great job, Mark. <laughs> Coming up next, it's time for some poetry. And who's here on hand? Wouldn't you know it? It's Luna Goldust. Here she is. Here she is. I was happy to see Luna. Here comes the artist formerly known as Goldust, looking like a phantom thief. And Luna Vachon, looking like a monster from Persona. Yeah. This was brilliant. I love this. This is the... Awful. I, I yeah, this was completely with this Billy. Was dreadful. This oh, was awful. I, I love Goldust. Yeah. I love Luna. This was dreadful. Especially because it doesn't do anything on the show. Like no. I wrote down here, oh, Goldust versus Vader coming up next. Uh, no, Goldust comes out and reads a poem, and then we don't see him again all night now. I, all right, I will admit I've obviously done how to episodes of both Goldust and Luna Vachon recently. So I've been immersed in their worlds and seeing these characters I just had a big pop for. Mm. But what I liked about it was that you're taking someone like Goldust, the last go-around he was in wrestling, you know, his arm was hurt. He's now, he's revealed this person who really understands him and letting him be the real him is Luna Vachon. And she's just literally pulling him out on a chain and mm-hmm. there's this weird relationship between them where he's like, she's this great liberator letting me be the artist I want. And she's like, there will be whips and chains! Yeah. And she just wants to fucking tie him up and like put a ball gag on him. And then you have him coming out here and be like, I'm now going to express my true artistry. And his true artistry is fucking dog shit. He's just reading out Dr. Zeus, mm-hmm. claiming he wrote it as a child. And there's just something about like, it's really tragic for that character of Goldust who believes himself to be a great artiste and auteur and thinking that all these things, his dad, Terry Ronalds, his teammates, everyone is holding him back and he finally gets to be him. And what he actually is, is shit. He doesn't realise that he needs these people in his life. And that's like, it's a real tragic heel figure. That's why I like it. I think you need somebody to call him out on it. That's yeah, it. I, yeah, if, if there was some, if there was somebody else, if, if like you know Jerry gets the mic and just says, "Wait yeah. a minute, that's Doctor Zeus. You didn't write that." You need someone to call him out on it. You can't just have him just. <laughs> Vader comes out in a big hat. Hang on a second. <laughs> I feel like you're giving it too much credit, personally. Like yeah. I, lo- I love that interpretation you've put on it there, but I don't feel like that's the thought process WWF or or Dustin have put into this character. I, I guarantee you it's what Dustin put into. It, I that, swear that he's to God. being crap on purpose because that's the tragic side exactly. of the deal. it's meant to be like the kind of the, and it's meant to be I think a commentary obviously on like the likes of Prince and whatnot of like an oh, artist for sure, yeah. you know, getting lost in his own kind of ego and his process and all that I, I just liked it because seeing Goldust coming out in those few months where he's like I'm Goldust and I love my wife and family and people didn't give a fuck yeah. well the one thing you could say about here is that people 
People were silent tonight when they were bored. They were not silent here. Oh, it's got heat. They sure. were screaming. And they have literally Luna at the end of the, the poem going, Shut the hell up! Yeah. And Joe has to apologise. My, my main issue with this is that it just it doesn't go anywhere. This is like, do, yeah. this, do this on Raw. If this was like the start of the match and then Vader comes out and they have the match, that's fine. But they literally just come out, they do this, and it's mm. like, well, let's go to the Legion of Doom now. I know, I, I, seriously, I, want, I really want Dr. Zeus-themed Vader to feud with them now. I'm the heavyweight detained in Kuwait. This <laughs> big Lorax moustache coming out of his mask. But... Like, I, I, I think I would have enjoyed it more as well if he'd actually performed it instead of just going, this is I am so sad I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? I am Sam. I am Sam. Sam, I am. I'm sorry, Dr. Zeus. That Sam I am, that Sam I am, I do not like that Sam I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? Say he wrote this? I don't think so. I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I think Dr. Seuss is happy I would not chair. like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Shut the hell up! That's the part he wrote. Yeah, we apologize for that. Would folks. you like him in a house? Would you like him with a mouse? I do not like him in a house. I do not like him with a mouse. I do not like him here or there. I do not like him anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like him, Sam I am. They are just realized you're the cat in the hand. Would you eat them in a box? Would you eat them with a fox? What? What was that? Come on! Come on, you scum! Did she just, uh... Thank you very much. And it's long. It's like a good three or four minutes of Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> and then Luna just fucking decks him yeah. and calls him scum. And That's the best part of this, is the, the, the whole subdom thing yeah. they're putting on it. Like. I mean, I just kind of love it in the sense that Vince McMahon, Russo, Pritchard, the brain trust who's putting this together, they're just thinking like, oh yeah, this is fucking crazy stuff here. And it's very obvious that Luna and Goldust are like, let's do some fucking kinky shit here. Yeah. And this is like, this is like quite like true to life stuff that they're putting on screen and yeah it's not everyone's cup of tea i guess i think we could we could all agree on that i'm just happy that luna's on the show again you know oh, yeah. absolutely I, and don't get me wrong the pairing i love the yeah. pairing and i'm excited it's to just see more. this segment this segment just stank is all backstage the legion of doom are with michael cole and they're here to talk about the travesty in fayetteville when the new age outlaws stole the tag team championships by 
beating the least to do in a match. Highway robbery. The, the week after Raw opened with like a black and white package where it was like a tragedy occurred last week on Raw when the New Age Outlaws robbed the Legion of Doom and they make out like it is the sickest upset that has ever happened in mm. wrestling. Like I'm going to tell you both now, and I didn't think I'd ever be saying this, I've been loving the New Age Outlaws here on this whole this whole gimmick they've been doing with the with the Road Warriors. I fucking love us. And I'll tell you why I love us. It's because it's against the Legion of Doom. It's so funny, the whole thing. Like, they, you mentioned that video package. It's like the company and everyone is trying so hard to, like, with kid gloves, to protect them and present them. as really this, reverent. You know, this lovely piece of old antique china on the shelf that my granny gave me. And we all, we make sure we all polish it. It looks very, very nice. I light a candle under it. It's not all very special. And the New Age Outlaws just, like, fucking steal the candle and, like, break it. <laughs> it's just, it's the one time the real juvenile you know, egging people on, just being a little fucking dick for the sake of it, it clicked with me. I just, I mm. really, really like how un... Like, it's clear they've gotten under their skin, for real. Like, this promo here, the, the Legion of Doom seemed legitimately pissed off at this whole storyline. Yeah. What on earth is Hawk talking about in this promo? He cuts a promo on picking his nose. Ah, but did you catch the thing he said at the start of the Mr. promo? Mr. Dog and Mr. Ass. He invented it. Hawk came up with Mr. Ass. I don't, did he? I swear they've been calling him Mr. Nah, they've been calling him Badass Billy Gordon. Or, or Billy Badass. Or, yeah, or A Double Poisonous Serpents and all that. <laughs> no one has said Mr. Ass. I think this is the first ever mention of Mr. Ass here. Adam, it feels like when I was telling you that I've had a bit of a love affair with the New Age Outlaws the past month, like the colour drains slowly from Oh, I feel betrayed. There. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel utterly betrayed by this revelation. Like, them getting, like, the tag belts and driving off in a shitty little rental car at the speed of life. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that is just making me laugh. Like All that work we did in season one to I know. get you to realise right and, and you've gone right back you've relapsed I feel oh. like I've seen all the stuff the, the outlaws are doing here I feel like I've seen it done better elsewhere and my biggest biggest grievance with this is that like oh their whole thing is they're being these two insufferable disrespectful cunts on a show where the main event right it's now is there. two yeah. insufferable disrespectful cunts maybe no one's acknowledging that fact you know what maybe it's probably because I know we mentioned the Survivor Series episode that's like why would you debut these things at the same time Yeah. but I feel like Sean is just treading water whereas I feel like these guys here like whole hog they're they're for what it's, whatever you say about either man they are doing the best work of their career at this point in time like you know I feel like where they were at the start of 97 compared to where they are here yeah. it's, it is like it shows you that you don't need, I don't know, all the things you think you may need to be a top guy. Mm. I found the other day, they were the number three sellers of merch. It was Austin, Rock, New Age Outlaws, Adichiera, all-time merch sales. Wow. Mm. And that that for me is always... Yeah, merch I, sucks as well. It's <laughs> really ugly. <laughs> yeah. The mean green dog. Like, yeah. And an ass. <laughs> Let's talk about Hawks promo a little bit more here, though. You do remind me of when I'm picking my nose and I go in too far and I forget how to speak English. And then I get my sharpened nail and I pull back the dried skin and pull forth the booger and blood vessels, roll it up into a little ball and flick it across the room. And he literally goes, what a booger. (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) It it felt like he lost a bet or something. (laughs) You've got to say booger four times in your promo. You know what? It was nice to see him back on form after Sleepy Survivor Series. He was was back the hawk of old. Tie titles on the line. 
Legion of Doom taking on the New Age Outlaws. Howard Finkel reminds us that there is a one-hour time limit at the start of Oh, this. baby. <laughs> now, we keep saying New Age Outlaws all the time here, but are they actually called that yet? Because they keep saying Road Dog and Billy Gunn. The only reference is, I think Jim Ross referred to them as like they, when they stole the bells as of acting like... Pair of Outlaws. Like, pair of Outlaws. Like, yeah. yeah, and that was where they... They haven't yet started saying they're it's the not New official. Age Outlaws. But it's interesting, the week they won the tag belts... The next week after that is when they got the, the finally got the music. Yes, and it was just you know Billy Gunn and Road Dog coming out to him being like, "Hey, it's me and the D.O.W.G. But then he would start now with the, "Oh, you didn't know? You better call somebody." Week two, he went, "Oh, you didn't know? You better pay, pay somebody." somebody. <laughs> and then he's coming out week three. Oh, I don't for smoke signals. I don't fucking just call him. All right, just call him. All right. And I think you know the the, the package is a like. I think if anything that works against them is the fact that they seem to have figured out what the gimmick is so quickly. Yes. Here we are month two and they're probably doing it better than they will do for the subsequent 20 months that come mm-hmm. afterwards, you know? I feel like they're going to get very comfortable with what they've got here. Yes. With opponents not as fun to make fun of as the Legion of Doom, who they refer to when they're coming out as the OLD and that it's going to be Jurassic Park. Don't feed the dinosaurs, these old bastards. I'm 90% sure that's what they use in some of the season one episodes. I remember yeah. them saying mm-hmm. OLD very specifically. Yeah, I think so. I do like them kind of walking down all tough and being like, and we're going to get in that ring and kick your ass. And then they start like slowly walking back. And everyone's going to go back up here and stretch a little bit more because I'm scared of you guys. Like they're active cowards. Yeah. They, yes. make, they make no sense, I think. I feel like your recreation of it here is better and has more comedic timing than them doing it though. <laughs> I, I, I don't find, I honestly don't find any charm in any of their act. No. So it's, it's, it's just de- without charm. It is devoid of joy. <laughs> in um, but he says he got to go get stretched up and get ready. And the best line of it is when they're literally backstage you got Jerry Briscoe being like please go and wrestle and he goes but Mr. Iris is ill <laughs> and just hearing that for the first time you know him casually calling him Mr. Ass mm. I do need to be reminded sometimes that there was a wrestler called Mr. Ass you know? what that really means yeah, yeah. is his ass Put her beat and Mark Merrow are on the superstar line. Hey! Can you believe what's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> New Age Outlaws, mostly begging and pleading, and great moments like Road Dog trying to duck and leapfrog over and over again and then being caught and powerbombed. They kind of wrestle themselves a little bit here, almost, mm. it felt like. They try to leave again. We get any bit of offense that they manage to do. It's like things like they get the cooler from underneath the ring and they smack them over the head yeah. with it. It's. Proper, like, Wild West children wrestling type of uh, scenario here, you know, at their own birthday party. They smash them with the cooler and it, like, completely obliterates into all these pieces. And JR's like, oh, man, that looked tough. And King's just like, oh, is it polystyrene? Just silence afterwards. And JR's like, you shouldn't have fucking shit. <laughs> King was pissed because you he, he could hear him go, those are our soft drinks. <laughs> oh, oh, it's soda. <laughs> Rodog did the worm! Yes! Oh! Can you believe it? <laughs> JR buried it. Like, what a waste of movement that was. <laughs> <laughs> a waste of movement. Someone swore. There was a beep at this point. What's that? Oh, yeah, that. it was a knee drop, which is then followed by, I don't know, Billy Keeble saying what happened in November 1997. <laughs> I think someone got kneed in the face for real. We got a hot mouth to Annie Tag, who runs wild. Legion of Doom, in spite of everything, still incredibly over. They yeah. seem to have, like, 
an unshakable stardom that they could do anything with them and fans would mm. still be like LOD LOD I mean it probably helps that WWF put them on that pedestal we do yeah. still get video packages where it's like the greatest tag team of all time can like, you ever think of a tag team that was around in the early fucking 80s that still looks and pretty much wrestles exactly the same it. yeah they're exactly how people remember yeah, them yeah like. you don't get that that, that often Looks like we're going to get the Doomsday device, but oh no, it's Hog! Henry O. Godman, the pig man's in the house. You broke my neck, Hog. <laughs> He's got that Bob Holly buff on him, you know. He hits an animal in the head with a slop bucket, and then Hawk comes in and buckets everyone. And we get a GQ yeah, finish. Yeah, full sight of the ref. He's so yeah. fucking stupid. I don't know, yeah. Now, that's the probably the biggest highlight of this whole feud to me is like the intrigue of what if the, the, the slot boys and New Age Outlaws... Like, Southern Justice! Get some sort of mega group together. That'd be really fucking insidious and horrible, but I'm pretty sure that ain't happening. I honestly, I, I don't know what's happened, lads, but... I'm sitting here with a big fucking stupid smile on my face and you look like someone's taking a shit in your cereal. I had, and you know what? Thinking back in Survivor Series, I was all full of praise for Road Dog as well. Like, yeah, because I, yeah, I liked his shit gear. <laughs> Me and Billy are just concerned at this point. <laughs> well, if you want concern, if you're in the military family, this next match may be of concern to you. Oh. As Triple H... Is heading into boot camp with legitimate former Marine and Vietnam veteran and Purple Heart recipient, Sergeant Slaughter. It's the boot camp match. December 7th, Hunter Hearst Helmsley will live with you in infamy. History has dictated that any time-tested leader is sufficiently supported their tough talk, usually with a weapon in their arsenal worthy of swift and severe action. Now, although shelved for most of this decade, Sergeant Slaughter has been pressed to unleash the dreaded Cobra Clutch once again. That's that famous Cobra Clutch of Sergeant Slaughter's. It goes right across that carotid nerve and it stops that blood supply and it's all over, lights out. Devastating in its effect, it was usually thwarted only by aided firepower or in numbers. If in fact Triple H is foolish enough to ignore the past, he may be condemned to repeat it. Let's get the announcement. Think about it, Helpfully. December 7th is gonna be your day of infamy. Oh boy. This package. Yeah, but where they yeah. compare slaughter to LBJ and Churchill. <laughs> Such great heroes of uh -huh. the world. You see, Billy, when they were negotiating at the end of World War II, they had an ultimate weapon in their armory. They had a nuclear device. And Sergeant Slaughter's got the Cobra Clutch. Yep, same thing, that. I love when they're like, Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Clutch. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter hitting the Cobra Clutch. Hey, that's the, that's the Cobra Clutch that Sergeant Slaughter's using there now. <laughs> Didn't show any footage of him in the boot camp match with Pat Patterson, no. which was a bloodbath, yeah. which would have really sold this match. But look, why, why are we here? Why are these men fighting? Billy, what did you glean from the video package? Why is Commissioner Slaughter once again had to join the military and get his stars and stripes back? Because he's the the last bastion, or he sees himself as the last bastion yeah. in this war against DX. Mm. And he's particularly after Triple H, because Triple H is 
basically basically inferred that he's going to go to his house and, and oh, sexually no, no, no. assault his wife. Hang on, Triple H doesn't go to anyone's house. What Triple H does is swing by your house, Because <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I got a purple heart of my own here. It's a purple helmet on my big bazooka. Jesus Christ. He referred to his dick as being a bayonet at one point. <laughs> tonight he I'm gonna swing by your house and hit you with my bayonet. Uh, no. Tonight he refers to it as peace pipe that Slaughter's wife can have a smoke on. Keeps talking about this. Okay, right. So Triple H is being a rotter, and mm-hmm. Slaughter is obviously like all like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we should say this. This match was alluded to years ago in season one where you explained it as the match where Slaughter rolls around and goes <laughs> so I had high hopes for this one Slaughter 49 years young here in this yeah. match who is brought out because of the antics of DX and he explains like you know I've been making the rules and they're damn sure breaking them right you know and it's happened so much now and this guy keeps threatening to swing by my house Stop it. <laughs> yeah the Viagra <laughs> <laughs> Standing at attention, <laughs> looking at Sean, right? Like you said, right? Oh. Yeah, I'm doing it like he wants. He he wants Triple H to learn some respect. He signs him up for a match. Triple H is like, yeah, no bother. I'll rest you after I swing by your house. And then he reveals that he's not Commissioner Sorry anymore. He comes out for a promo talking about the day of infamy, December 9th, that Triple H is going to be ruining that day of infamy. And it's going to be a boot camp match. And he cuts a promo where it's basically like every bit of stolen valor and hyperbole about stolen he valor. Them. Oh boy. In this promo, Sergeant Slaughter, and correct me if I've missed anyone out here, Adam, he claims that A, he served two tours of Vietnam. He killed a man in Vietnam. What I think is clear to point out is that he's not saying I did these things. He's berating Triple H by saying you never did this. Like, I strongly neither did I, but yeah, neither did that's you. It. That's what makes it even worse. I think is that he's saying you never killed a man in combat. No, did he say that? He said you never watched. Your best friend die in your hands, Helmsley. Did you? Did you ever receive a purple heart, Helmsley? Did you? Did you ever smell napalm in the morning, Helmsley? Did you ever feel a bayonet sliding into the end? Well, actually, I swung by your house. <laughs> and, uh, as a matter of interest, I swung by the POW camp. And I said, John McCain, why don't you smoke my peace pipe? Fuck me. And he... Went hell for leather on this yeah. proper old school frothing at the mouth. And since we did that episode where we brought up all that shit, there's been still even more of this. Like Sergeant Slaughter, the real life American mm-hmm. hero, you know, actual armed forces websites and little magazines and podcasts where they're talking like, he's a real, he's a real. No, he's not. They asked him. To stop using the Marine Corps stars and stripes, specifically the Marine Corps logo on his gear. And he did. He stopped using it. Mm. But he still kept doing all this other stuff. He knew it was wrong. He Mm. knew it was wrong. You can't do this for like 40, 50 years and not realise that it's wrong. Of course he knows it's wrong. We're backstage. Michael Cole is with Triple H in China. And I think he's a little bit nervous for his big match. Triple H here with his fucking carrot top legit, bag of tricks like. what I got right here is a special survival kit for Sergeant Slaughter I've got all I'm gonna need to beat Sergeant Slaughter in this bag I've got a comb specially made to comb his hair so it'll look good when he goes to the ring I've got Metamucil I've got prunes to loosen the old man up 
And don't worry, Sarge, I've got your back covered too, because I got you some Depends. Listen up, Slaughter. This is not your generation. This is not the next generation. This, and put that camera on me, idiot. This is degeneration. And Slaughter, remember, X marks the spot. And when I get done, Slaughter, there'll be no hard feelings. As a matter of fact, I might take a swing by your house and let your old lady take a smoke of the peace pipe. He's it's fucking crop, crop comedy. Quite well, some of Triple H's special weapons for the Well, he's got, he's got a comb with no teeth because Slaughter's bald. Come on! It, it was like when Slaughter came out and uh, him and Shawn Michaels had special riot gear visors that were meant to have windscreen wipers on them mm. to wipe out the spit but they didn't work so they had to keep moving them themselves going <laughs> imagine if it worked though right <laughs> insufferable what else have we got in the bag I can't even remember what prunes else prunes to keep them yeah. regular and yeah. a big pa- a big packet of diapers as well I got, I got some depends for you and I got metamucil as well which is it's like a, an additional um, dietary fiber supplement so you could have the prunes but also, you should take the Metamucil as well, because... Don't forget your Vita Sports Nutrition as well. <laughs> you want to have three scoops of that every day. <laughs> Sorry. Literally, I, I can't go, like, two lines on my notes. And they say, swing by! <laughs> <laughs> I should point out of the way as well, he said it originally. He was like, basically, if you stick your chin in, I'll have to swing by you. <laughs> he is all... The, honestly, as much as I hate DX right now, Billy, the best part about it is shit Triple H, <laughs> who thinks he's so cool. <laughs> he's so fucking rubbish. <laughs> I've got a new favourite word. I thought physical was great, but JR predicts that this will be a rugged match. Rugged! Backstage, Jim Cornette's with Commissioner Slaughter. I bet you've been in all kinds of wars, what's in the- <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter, you have had a long and storied career. You're a former WWF champion. Now the Commissioner's suit is off, the combat boots are back on, but do you think you're prepared to fight Hunter Hearst Helmsley here tonight? Helmsley, you piece of human excretion! I didn't come here tonight to come out of retirement. I didn't come here tonight for a wrestling match. I came here tonight to fight a scum, a slime, and a maggot that insulted my family. Help me, you puke. I might be old, but I'm not dead. And this old jarhead is going to beat you up and beat you up bad. And that's an order! You know what? Genuinely, this is a great little promo where he's like, I'm old, but I'm not dead yet, Helmsley! Yeah. I like, he, you know, he, he, he sold a little bit like uh, Randy the Ram type of, you know, I shouldn't by all accounts be doing this match. But you made I am this anyway, happen, you know? yeah. Jim Cornette's just there like, oh, maybe afterwards, pal, you can swing by my house and you can fuck my wife as well. I'd love to watch. Sergeant Star comes out to Kurt Angle's theme. Yeah, everyone's yes. had a fucking go on, on this, this theme. theme. Well, as you know, Helmsy, I won a gold medal with a broken <laughs> neck. And then my coaches, he died in my arms and they gave me the purple heart. <laughs> King says that Sergeant Slaughter got his ass kicked in Vietnam and it's going to happen all over tonight. Like, I was hoping that the match would be like inconclusive like Vietnam. <laughs> so, like, the action could best be described as... Um, you know what? It was more hard-hitting and 
at least gripping than I expected it. Sarge yeah. did more than I expected. Absolutely, yeah. he, he, he took bumps. He did. Yeah. He he did such a good job that I thought they did a great disservice having Jim Ross constantly like, harp on about his weight and his age. Yeah, honestly, that was really disrespectful. Like, it's, that's our job to disrespect Slaughter on commentary. Like. Yeah, it was very odd that JR was just kind of like, he brought it up, like, ran to me for no reason. Like, when Slaughter was on offense, he's like, not in game shape. What are you going to do? Are you? Like, what the fuck? I mean, he's 49 years old and he's been retired for, what, the past eight years? Like, you can maybe just focus on the fact that he's doing quite well. Uh, there's some main eventers in WWE right now who would kill to be 49 years old. Like, Nicky, Goldberg's he... like the fountain of youth, 49! Right? <laughs> you wouldn't talk about him on commentary that way. No, like... fucking hell. He'd start crying, like... What makes this match boot camp? I was expecting there'd be, like... It'd be, like, trench warfare on one side. It'd be, like, you yeah. know, cargo net on the other side or something like that. Basically a street fight. They keep putting over, like, oh, you, you come out wearing whatever you're wearing. Like, that's the whole gimmick of the match is that you're in street clothes. Also, as well, how does this counteract the WCW is where the old guys are narrative when one of our main events here tonight has got someone you've decided at age 49 is a really old, old, old man? I mean, I guess it's because they're putting over the fact that, you know, Triple H is going to go over stronger on the old man here. Like, if it was Slaughter beating Triple H, then it'd be like, yeah, you're just as bad as WCW. But I think the point they're making here is that, like, the old will always fall and crumble beneath youth. Like. Until the old become Triple H, and then the youth will crumble underneath yeah, that. Yeah, cyclical, that baby. Like, yeah. JR getting nostalgic about his dad beating him. That was uh, an odd mm. line. Did anyone catch that on commentary? Yeah, because fucking Slaughter whips Triple H in the face with his belt, and he's like, ah, my daddy's woodshed. I bet Triple H never been to the woodshed. I tell you what, folks, I love the woodshed. Like. <laughs> my, me and my dad, just be me, dad, the belt. You know. <laughs> <laughs> There's an amazing spot here, which I've never seen before. Oh, shit, it's when Sergeant Slaughter takes a little tumble here. No, no, th this is when he throws Triple H into the ring steps. And normally you throw someone into the ring steps, they like fall shoulder first or back first into it. He throws him dick first into oh, the corner yeah. of the steps. Like. I'll be swinging by anything after that one. <laughs> well, when Slaughter took a tumble, though, he went into the corner and he's like, oh, oh shit. And he just goes sailing over the top. And Jerry Lawler, literally the exact like mankind off the hell of the cell. That's it, he's dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so matter of factly. Sergeant Slaughter is now all dusty because he's outside. <laughs> and then Triple H gets in a brawl of the century with timekeeper Mark Eaton. Yeah. Oh, what did poor little Mark do? He stood up for himself, but yeah, that's what he, he did. did. He doesn't stand up for no bullies like. Now, Triple H did something in the ring here which really pissed me off because I knew that the next match after this was going to feature Double J and I've got high hopes for Double J. Oh, right, yeah. And a then, returning Double J. And then Triple H here, he pops the Glargue sleeper on Sergeant Slaughter and I'm like, you motherfucker, now Double J can't do that in the next match because of this. Like. Triple H just come by and follow that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff said was match. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, all, Ruined it's it. It's a load-bearing manoeuvre. So Triple H has got a chain. And he got it off China, I believe, who was yeah. uh, at ringside. Very, very, very interesting. The last month or two particularly, all the chat of China has pretty much died off. None of this, that bionic woman, that, you know, strong woman. They, they just kind of go, there's China. We yeah. don't talk about her. But, but, yeah, they're not saying she's a man. Which, I mean, anymore, like... it's better for them to say fuck all than that yeah. she's going on that That's she looks what like I was a gonna man. Say. I'm, enjo I'm enjoying yeah. China more now because they're not constantly yeah. ruining it for me, like... You're just letting her be a badass. Like. Yeah, that's nice, you know. And I think, like, she's the X Factor in this match. So I think, like, the crowd are expecting her to do something. And I will say, 
know, the crowd are into this one, mm-hmm. you know. It, it does show a lot of, like, that Slaughter is, you know, he's an old hand and there's, like, certain things that you never lose in wrestling and he can still, like, put on a performance. No one's ever going to want to see Sergeant Slaughter, like, you know... You know they're going to accuse him of like taking liberties or taking you know making yeah. himself look good at Triple H's expense. Nah, 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 nah. And Triple H, you know, proves in a pretty tough environment here that he can work a big match with. I mean, if you can work with Slaughter, you know, it's pretty impressive that he's getting the match with the reaction that he is. You yes, know? I will say I don't think it makes him look particularly strong that he's like the young plucky up and coming. Well, he's office strong, not fan strong. Is yeah, what I'm saying, because like, like he's fighting the forty-nine-year-old guy that's been retired for the best part of a decade, and he's still having to get China involved. He's still yeah. using all the weapons and all the advantages. Like you can barely put away Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter heads up to the top rope, and Triple H slams him off the top rope just so Sarge can prove that he does it. And Jerry, who's been peppering in military jokes the entire night, says, "Oh, it's like he was a paratrooper." That's right, Holmesy. When did you storm the beaches of Normandy? Because I did. I was there on D-Day and in Dunkirk and all the other movies as well. It's your darkest hour, Hemsley. In fairness, Triple H would go on to pilot a fighter jet at the very least. Yeah. So he's got some sort of acumen. Get the Cobra Clutch, big pop from the crowd. China interferes, the referee gets knocked out. And Slaughter's got the powder ready for China, which... I guess it's alluded to later on when they have that uh, the handcuffs. Oh at yes! So yeah, these guys actually have a little bit of a. Uh, I was I was uh, I was surprised that it didn't refer to the powder as like white phosphorus or like <laughs> or a, like in the eyes of China like Agent Orange. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> have you ever committed war crimes, Helmsley? <laughs> and Sergeant Slaughter, he just throw powder, and then for some reason it's claimed that he's just like Saddam Hussein. Which is our second Saddam Hussein reference what? in two months because last month it was like, Saddam Hussein, everybody's mad at this guy. <laughs> China dick punch Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Oh boy, steel-toed boots there on China, I think. Mm-hmm. There was a clunk there. And then we get shades of 49-year-old Triple H hitting a pedigree in Saudi Arabia on Kane with this one. <laughs> that is the worst fucking pedigree. It's Sloppy. pedigree in a car. It's fucking shit. <laughs> The kick out after three from Slaughter was entirely unnecessary. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, it's really not a convincing victory for Triple H. Uh... I was convinced this was going to be, because like, I had seen this match before back in the day, mm. and it was, way, it was way better than I thought it would be. You know? Yeah. But the month after Montreal, why you're doing this? Yeah. Like, the last thing you saw hyping up this paper, he was Sergeant Slaughter beating up Triple H. That is how yeah. we go, missing breaths. <laughs> yeah. Commissioner Slaughter is coming out of retirement. Mm. You're supposed to be evolving as a company. Yeah. It just feels like you're going back a bit. Is Sergeant Slaughter a safe pair of hands? I mean, how do you think they got on with this one overall? It was way better than I expected it to be. Yeah. Like, so, like you say, he came with his working boots on. He was bumping around. He was doing his best to put Triple H over strong. Um, it's nice to see him get some actual valor as opposed to stolen valor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but let's leave it at that. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that's a one and done appearance from Slaughter now. I don't want this to be like a series. It's time, Maggot, for a caption contest. That's right, we're in the caption boot camp. And Adam and I have stolen all the valor, by which I mean your lovely captions, for this special edition, (laughs) stolen valor edition, of the caption contest. Coming to you from the future, it's me, Corporal Kevin Mann, joined alongside by Mr. Adam Bibolo. How are you doing today? Hey there, pal. I'm good. I'm glad to be back here in the caption zone with you today after Billy did such a wonderful job previously. 
previously. Yes, the zone is open to all all people on the Attitude Era podcast, and I'm excited to announce that this special edition of the Caption Contest is sponsored by our own Bloomin' Network. It's brought to you by Podcrabs. Adam, did you know that all of the podcasts under one nice umbrella of Podcrabs We've got a recent addition to the lineup. Hey, what's this? Well, you see, way back at the start of the pandemic, we decided that the best thing to do would be to review the Big Show show. And then we got a bit ah. bored of that. So instead, we started doing a <laughs> Kitchen Nightmares podcast for free ah. over on our Podcrabs channel. You can find Podcrabs wherever you get your audio. And we got a fine crop of episodes for our Kitchen Nightmares podcast ah. entitled It's Raw, where myself, yourself, and Joe Graham of How To Wrestling fame have a look through all of Gordon Ramsay's delightful Slopfest kitchen nightmares. This sounds wonderful. And where can I find this if I want to listen to it right now, Kevin? You want to listen to it right now, head over to soundcloud.com forward slash podcrabs. Search podcrabs in your audio app of choice. Check it out. Let us know what you think. We have around eight or so episodes available, as well as a special portion called The Walk-In, where fans can send in emails, anecdotes, and stories. If you like reality TV, you like chatting about food and hearing about Gordon Ramsay and our obsession with him, then head over to Podcrabs. Check out It's Raw. Let us know what you think. The latest addition to the Podcrabs family of podcasts. This sounds awesome. I'm just going to check this out now, pal. If you want to go through these captions, I'll, I'll get back to you and let you know what I think. I, I, I appreciate your candor and your respect and your continued appearances on It's Raw despite <laughs> your, your, your lack of memory of doing as such. If you would in future like to grab this spot and advertise yourselves on the caption contest, head over to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash a podcast. If you've got a podcast, a video series, a website, a product, a passion project of any sort, which you wish to plug to our tens of thousands of listeners, you can do so and you can arrange to do it directly with us we are of course 100 fan and listener supported we don't have any corporate sponsors nor do we get paid by any of the platforms we're hosted on so if you would like to do a little bit of grassroots advertising hit us up any and all inquiries add it to your podcast at gmail.com that's out your podcast at gmail.com kevin I'm going to take our captions here on at a podcast on Twitter. And I'm over here at facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast. Adam, the picture du jour for the stolen valor edition. It is everyone's favorite Sergeant Slaughter. And he slapped a nice big Cobra clutch on Jean-Paul Levesque himself, Triple H. <laughs> Jean-Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, a.k.a. The Enemy. And it stands to me right now, it stands to reason we're just about to get into the the boot camp match and Triple H yep. and Sergeant Slaughter. And Sergeant Slaughter, as you know, has fought many wars and faced many adversaries in those wars. And I think he would get a kick out of this poem from much of me For in fuck's these. sake. I'm doubling down because I think that people are already sick of it. So does that mean this, I can do two JID segments in this episode then, yeah? I mean, I'd love it if, if, there, was, <laughs> if there was some speculative... What, what did Kane make of all that stolen Valor business, you know? <laughs> what did Paul Bear reckon of that, you know? This one titled, The Enemy. Across the river, he lies in wait. This man I swore to kill. Carefully, I've learned to hate the enemy whose blood I will spill. Does he know fear and sometime cower? Does he shed a tear in a homesick hour? Does he shiver in cold and hate the rain? Has he soon grown old from constant strain? 
Do his wounds bleed long after they've healed? Does he hate the creed of the battlefields? Does he envy the dead their swift release? Does he bow his head and pray for peace? Across the river he lies in wait, this man unknown yet grim. He too has been carefully taught to hate, and I am the enemy to him. And afterwards, oh. maybe I'll uh, swing by across the river for and uh, sake, Kevin. show you that there'll be much of me in each of ye at you the end of this what? one. Uh, that was, I was rolling my eyes and sat here like, let's fucking get this over and done with. And by the end of that poem, I'd actually been drawn in only for you to immediately throw it away with a little bit of try. That's right. Triple H's nickname is try these days, <laughs> by the way, if you didn't know. Well, you know what? I just think it says a lot that even with your apprehension about the poetry, mm. that he was able to draw you in with a poem about humanizing Nazis. And that was the power well, of Paul Bosch as a, as a storyteller. You say Nazis, I think you can apply that to your everyday life. Because I'm sat here thinking like, oh, this segment, the recurring much of me in each of these segments don't, is my enemy. Don't call and me the enemy. No, don't not you. you your, your little segment is like my enemy. And now it's made me realize that like, huh, maybe I'm the enemy to them. Like, well, I've not been taught to hate Jid in spite of the fact that we, we went through it in excruciating detail. Adam, give me a, give me some captions for Sergeant Slaughter, Cobra Clutching, Jean Valjean, Triple H. Okay, let's start off relatively straightforward here with a proper Triple H line from Bretton Burney on Twitter. You can put your Cobra Clutch on me, old man, but I got a bigger snake in my pants, if you know what I mean. Oh, Triple H is going to be right there, literally, with the, the piece of hair. Like, this is really good, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> part this. It's, it was like a snake, that's really good. Drew Davies here over on the Facebook. All I did was ask if one of the medals you got was a <laughs> Iron Cross. Basically, I just really like Iron Crosses. I like that. It alludes to both Triple H's love of that metal and also Triple H's love of Nazi imagery. Why is the caption contest keep going on about this at the moment? I don't know. That froze at literally the best time. My Skype paused when you went like, I didn't know if one of your medals was a <laughs> And even though I didn't hear the rest of it, my brain filled in the blank straight away. <laughs> one here from Wrestling Referees Are Wizards. It's all about the valor and how you take it. All about army service and if you claim it. All about combat and if you can fake it. It's all about Nam. Who's going to fact check it? <laughs> Edward Price here. Sergeant Slaughter's attempts at hair transplants were as valid as his military history. <laughs> below the belt. Oh, baby, you love to see us. He's a baldy. Jack Stowell here. I can't move my head. It's just not going. Calm down, Hunter. You're suffering from minor women's whiplash. <laughs> Adam Ahmed here. Picture. Sergeant Slaughter saving fellow soldier, earning himself a Medal of Honor. Colorized. Wrestle <laughs> <laughs> Foss here. Sergeant Slaughter voice. I'm a liar. <laughs> Straight to the point. You know, the, for, for those who are at our, our live show, the advertisements live show, oh. now that's a tall order. <laughs> you know, the lies I've been telling about my service. Adam McCartney, when you're on your stag and the groom's uncle goes rogue at paintball. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever killed a man on a team building exercise, Helmsley? Well, I have. <laughs> One here from CPA Wrestles on Twitter. Serge, Serge, can we turn on a radio or something? Radio? Who needs a radio? You ready, Vince? Mark, yeah. Ink, yeah. 
armed. Yeah. Forces. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Burden, Stoko here. The WWF needed a new heel for their show, so I decided to go to McMahonville, which is what they call Connecticut in those days. So I tied a stolen medal to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take a ferry across to Nickel, and in those days, Nichols had pictures of Vince McMahon on them. Give me five Vinces for a quarter, they'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had my stolen valor on my belt, which was the style at the time. You know what? It, it works. We left the Triple H and Simpsons references fallow for a couple of we cycles. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Harvest Caesars come in. Exactly. And the, the grain is golden, folks. Well, if the Simpsons references are lessening a little bit at the minute, I think it may be because people have moved over to Alan Partridge. I may have spoke too soon with that Partridge reference earlier because Uncle Mo's family feedback here with, Can you smell gas? Ugh, I think that's my breath. I ate a scotch egg. I thought it would have broken down by now, but I think I'm slightly constipated. It's surprising, really, given the circumstances. There's something about Triple H eating a Scotch egg, which is really, really, like, just, that's a funny image. Has it like. ever happened? I mean, you know he'd be furious eating one, like, you know, what is this? <laughs> it's insulting. Cody G. Warner. I didn't fight two wars in Korea so you could wrestle this match. Keywords didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Ward here with a serious throwback to season one. Oh, here we go. I am here to represent the caption contest to Mr. Farouk. <laughs> That might have been our first bit of Commissioner Slaughter on the podcast. I think so, yeah, over the edge. God, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, we're watching the descent of Farouk into Mr. Farouk. That's what we're seeing at the moment in season four. (laughs) It's always interesting. You can see with the caption contests where the wrestling paradigm is at the minute because there is a lot, and I mean a lot of, like, did you know Karrion Cross is being buried right now? (laughs) Like, people will crowbar that into these captions. (laughs) Andrew Channer, choke me all you want, Serge. But you know I got closer to war than you ever did when I drove the tank to Atlanta. <laughs> but I thought it was a jeep! James T. Cool Guy. On that day, Triple H realized the true strength derived from falsifying a narrative of war. At that very moment, he thought, If he can get away with pretending to be in the war, I can pretend that DX was just as big as the NWO. <laughs> the thing is, right, DX was neither literally nor figuratively as big as the NWO. No, not in either sense. It's, it's their 37 lads they had and the much bigger impact they made on the wrestling zeitgeist. Those is what they've got going for them and DX can't take that away from them. <laughs> oh, Lauren here. <laughs> Lauren is ashamed of themselves. Hate that this is what popped into my head. And I think that this might only work because me and you have both seen this film recently, Kevin. Who does number two work for? Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Louise here. This is excellent. This is a little bit of a role reversal. Sergeant Slaughter being Triple H here to the Tough Enough cast, but it's Slaughter to the 90s roster. How are you guys doing? You sore? <laughs> Points at the Undertaker over there. Big man in the back. Taking bumps. Tough. Yeah. Big fucking deal. Everybody get in the ring. Points at the 123 kid. You take a bump. Points to Mabel. Take a bump. Just for future reference, one of your nuts was hanging out. What do we do when we say we're in the Marines? We're telling a lie with our bodies, Helmsley! (laughs) Throw a punch! (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference between stolen valor like that 
and stolen valor like this. <laughs> and you go home and you got to be super sergeant, super major. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Longtime friend of the podcast, Kit, here with Sergeant Slaughter performing the Heimlich Maneuver on Triple H as he chokes on his fifth chicken breast of the day. <laughs> and I will say, if you've not heard the making the game, definitely go and check it out. See what that freak puts into his body every single day of the week. And, and by virtue of that, what that freak made you put into your body as well, Adam. It was, uh, yep. we'll never forgive for Triple H for, for what he did to you on that one day. A great one here from Jordan. Now that's an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> David Green basically you stole this move from Ted DiBiase just like you stole your valor <laughs> Zach here with hummus a famous Middle Eastern dish not on my watch pal <laughs> James Leach with this isn't a soldier it's just some buddy of mine <laughs> this one here just says stop getting Bond wrong what I told you, man, it's Alan Partridge. That's the new Simpsons. Oh, my God. J.D. Renaud here. You can tell Disney ran out of money for the remake when you see the new fight scene with Gaston versus the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> this one's very upsetting. I don't know why, but Andy Phelan here. Sergeant Slaughter's pet Triple H had just eaten some chocolate, which must be wrestled out of his mouth before he succumbs to chocolate poisoning. Now, that's implying that one... Triple H is a dog and therefore can't have any chocolates. And two, that like the way the the look of anguish in his face. I mean, Jesus Christ! Could you imagine? That's an upsetting image, having to claw <laughs> chocolate from the fucking the esophagus of a dog. Good lord! No thanks. Another one here from wrestling referees or wizards. Someone tells Sergeant Slaughter that Triple H is hiding WMDs. Hey Slaughter, I might be by a lot of things, but biological warfare isn't one of them. Wait, did I just mean to say that? <laughs> and rounding us off here, Keith Porter. Sergeant Slaughter gets very upset as Triple H holds up all the military medals Sergeant Slaughter has earned. <laughs> sake. Excellent. Well, let's uh, close a chapter on the Stolen Valor edition of the Caption Contest. A reminder again, do check out It's Raw, available on the Podcrabs channel out with myself, Adam and Joe, and the ever-wonderful Gordon Ramsay. And if you're interested in advertising on the Attitude Podcast, hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com or patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Adam, are you ready to head back into the bowels of a Degeneration X pay-per-view? No, I don't want to, Kevin. I'm sick of these cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't even make a joke about it. I'm that upset. If you kids don't keep it down, I'm turning this guy. All right, that's it. Back to Degeneration X no. in December 1997. Backstage, Jeff Jarrett's with Michael Cole. Billy Double J's back. Yeah, he's. I was expecting him to be, you know... Logan's Run cosplay Jarrah, but he's going to turn into that. Yeah, I'm sure that's who he is by 14. Yeah, isn't he is. He? He's like full Logan's away. Run space pedophile. Yeah, like. that's right. It, it did kind of make me a bit worried that, you know, his whole thing when he's come back is like, they made me dress up in this silly outfit, wear a cowboy hat, and be a singer and a dancer. Yeah. I'm a great wrestler, and literally in two months' time, he's going to be, I'm the greatest singer. That's it. <laughs> I'm the greatest yeah. dancer. Just around the corner, and that the Tennessee is. Lee's going to come in. And he's, like... he's been doing shoot interviews on Raw for like two weeks, Billy. Give me some of these hot takes that Jeff Jarrett's been There's coming no out. There's no fucking hot Spit takes. Spit fire. What do, you, what do you think about Brad Hart? Well, I think he's a 
great wrestler. A, a classy athlete. How about Shawn Michaels? Uh, I think he's an unbridled talent. How about The Undertaker? Tremendous respect. Like He's got nothing mm. but like nice things to say about everyone. Oh, there, was, there was one point, though, where he's like, what do you think about D-Generation X? Controversial. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> mate, like, you know... But yeah, he came back with like this big fucking promo where it's like Vince McMahon tried to hold me down and gave me a shitty country music gimmick. I'm here, I'm a big deal now and I will be taken seriously. Then he cuts two weeks worth of really fucking respectful, boring shoot interviews. And then he starts doing a gimmick on Raw where it's like, he's going to debut against... It's like what? they did with MVP. Remember when MVP yeah. debuted and he's like, he's meant to come out and have his match. And he's like, no, 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 no. You said that... You know, my contract state this is going to happen, and that I should was have my happen. own dressing room, and I'm sharing my locker room with the boys, so I refuse to wrestle. I was it. enjoying it until I realised it almost definitely is a rib on Brett, because Brett with the oh. big contract, and you have this thing where Jeff mm. Jarrett's like, in my contract it says here's sub clause seven B, I'm meant to get a catered meal, and I just got a ham sandwich, mm. and you're meant to have the camera on me from my dressing room all the way to the main stage. So every time he's like, I'm not going to wrestle because. You said that I would have this, this, and this. Or Ahmed Johnson was meant to wrestle him. He's yeah. like, I was. I, he literally comes out. He goes, the reason I left in 1995 was because of fucking you, Ahmed Johnson. You're shit. I'm not wrestling you. And it's like, all right, okay. But they wanted it to be like kind of the entitled wrestler who's got his big contract. I get that. And that's peppered in thread them going, here, Bret Hart's getting three million a year. Mm, <laughs> come on, crap yeah. me a river and all that. It's just so weird that he's come back saying all that and literally in a couple of months' time, he's going to be a country singer yeah. again. Like, what What do you reckon to his, like, his look? Like, the music, all that he has here? He dressed like the, the early New Day or something. Like, yeah. he's got this big, flashy, long coat on him. It looks I really like, weird. I, I, I like, like the, the look. I like the I music, like the, I think. And then him talking over the... Him having his re, uh, pre-recorded voice on the Dumped phone. Over. Saying how good he is. Okay, we, we have had a lot of chat on this podcast before about, you know, the wrestler who comes out and they say a little thing, like, I'll show you, you. Yes. Well, I'll be... Something like that, but... The new favorite one, Billy, and it definitely is. There's all the other WWF superstars, and then there's me. Oh, they're not quite quippy enough. It's like he's got like did a one take, yeah, like a pull string double J doll. It's yeah. got like eight different expressions. And I can see, I can see this double J turning into misogynist double J. Yeah, it's just yeah. so weird. We've yeah. got this, then we've got fucking space nonce, and then we've got, then we've got misogynist. Yeah. It feels like that bit in the middle now feels so weird. Such a detail. And particularly when this first one is like, this is real me. Like, unscripted, no yeah. filter. This is exactly who I am. And like a month later, two months later, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really soon. The idea, though, of having Slaughter come out for the big face pop and say, right, you will wrestle. It is going to be on pay per view. We're going to hit all your contract requirements and you're going to wrestle. The Undertaker, yeah. who has not been seen on TV since Survivor Series, uh -huh. and he wasn't at Survivor Series either itself, yeah. you know? So it's kind of, it's just been the Kane show, really. Mm -hmm. And Kane has shown up. He's done things like uh, attack, like the minis were going to have a match, and he came yeah. out. They had him come up, and he destroyed Scott Taylor. He beat up uh, Crush. He, Crush is injured because of Kane. Yeah. Adam, I was going to ask you, do we have any speculative jid seeing it's Double J taking on The Undertaker and the cloud of Kane is hanging over us like a big red gas? We got a little, little slice of jid, but it's going to have to come post-match, I think. Okay. It's about what happens in the match. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what, you just leave 
you just give me one little quick jig to let me know you're ready. Okay. All right, just leave a quick <laughs> drop of it there, and I can see it there, and I'll know then for later. That's all right. Jeff Jarrett comes out, is covered in laser pointers. The Undertaker comes out in darker lights, no laser pointers, because mm. the fans respect the dead man. Yeah. For now. For now. When he's like, I'm the devil, they're like, no, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this line of commentary from Jim Ross, the phenom! has been under so much stress lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Fair Fox to Mark Calloway, he does look really sad. when he, he like, I was looking at him like, oh, like, look at little Undertaker's face, his little frown on him. What was that line that you, you pointed out a while ago where it's like, I'm living in this hell. <laughs> I'm already living in hell. He's so sad. I tell you what, I'm really excited for this weird matchup. Like, Kind of cowardly mm. Double J with OP God Tier Undertaker. I, I, I made a prediction at the start of this in my notes, which was just this is going to fucking suck. Oh really? I, did. I yeah. had high hopes. No, Jeff and this Undertaker. I'm not gonna get. I'm not. I wasn't. I knew I wasn't gonna be a fan. Mm. It was. It was odd because it was very competently wrestled. Like there was a logic there. Like Jeff and Undertaker had clearly worked out why someone like Jeff, the circumstances where he would be on offense in a match like someone like the Undertaker, they didn't go for complete you know, gaga, bananas, bullshit. There wasn't, like, loads of hokey stuff. It was pretty straight-laced. But the fans didn't really buy into it. I'm not really sure why it was. I think because there's no build. There's literally no yeah, build. Yeah. Double J refused to wrestle all month, and we've not seen Undertaker for, like, five or six weeks at this point. JR says everyone who calls himself an icon in wrestling will never, ever surpass The Undertaker. Yeah. So, this is in 97. He's got that much of yeah. a pedestal already. Uh, I got a quick list of people who refer to themselves as icons in 1997. That's Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, The Icon Sting, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. There they <laughs> so, are. None of them will ever lace The Undertaker's boots. Mm. Jesus Christ. Jeff Jarrett looks uncomfortable wrestling in his fucking diving suit or whatever. Well, it's a big, stupid comedy outfit. So, Adam, obviously, there's a, there's a red cloud. There's some cane in the air. Why don't you take us through what's going on in this one? Okay. Well, it's pretty straightforward. Straight off the bat, Double J's, like, landing some speedy right hands. And you sort of get this idea, like, oh, maybe, maybe this little kid's got something. It doesn't take long for Undertaker to start giving his own soup bones right His back. own brand of soup mm. bones. And he, you can tell Undertaker must be really sad in his heart not in it at the minute because of all these problems because he can only muster the energy to work Double J over in the corner and it's just not the same the corner reminds me of him it reminds me of Kane <laughs> the grunt has turned down on him as well oh it? yeah he's a little more quiet like definitely <laughs> I had <laughs> oh, you fucking phony <laughs> I mean, it's fucking, it's two of the biggest Grunt Hall of Famers of right? all time yeah. here. The innovator of the Grunt of the Night himself, the oh. Glar Gay Sleeper Hold Man, Double J. I feel like we're going, oh, he's tired. Is it? <laughs> it's, 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 this should be my dream match on paper, and it's very, very sad to see. We get a big old school, and then while Undertaker's on the top rope, JR's like, oh, very Takamichinoku-like from the dead man here. He's like, he's like Takamichinoku, but better. You know? <laughs> Why do we need Takamichinoku? <laughs> give, give him that magenta belt. <laughs> Taker bops Jarrett around and Irish whips him. And Jarrett is, you know, he's bouncing around from the Taker. He's doing a lot of, like, fast selling and making Undertaker look strong at the very least. At 1 hour 47 and 32, Double J takes Undertaker's knee out and Taker gives out a big... Whoa, look at that! A big ah! pull. And Jeff Jarrett... Oh, as he falls over. <laughs> not quite the... Oh! No, that's what I mean. It's not enough. The, the legs haven't like, softened up enough. Not you know? giving it 100. Double J starts working over the leg for ages, just like trying to pick apart the Undertaker, presumably setting up a figure four. 
Undertaker throws Double J into the corner. And really? The, and then the lights go out and it's like, oh, already? This, I mean, I, I knew going in, like, yeah, Kane's going to interfere. Obviously, Kane's going to ruin the match. But we're talking, like, four minutes in, if that, maybe. Uh, did anyone else laugh when Jim Ross referred to Kane as the one-eyed monster, <laughs> Willie? I mean, Kane. <laughs> Look at the long, smooth shaft of Kane. <laughs> Look at the vascularity on Kane. <laughs> I was, I, I, I have a, had, like, a finally moment with Kane. Yeah? Yeah, because I, I was fucking... Was that four minutes of lifetime for you, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it, Lee? Yeah, it was that long. Yeah, no, it felt like a fucking million fucking years. You see, there's me sat there like, maybe we'll get a Glargue, maybe we'll get a... You know, all this, the possibilities are endless, and then Kane just fucking interrupts the whole I, affair. I literally just wrote, finally Kane comes out, save us from this tedium big man. Wow. I did, I did like Double J be like, you know, the Bob Holly of the group, and be like, you know, like tapping on Kane, like, get him, big man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give him the choke slam. Yeah, so Double J takes a choke slam for his trouble. And then Kane walks up to the Undertaker and just slaps him in the face. Oh! Sets off his pyro and walks away. They're face to face, and Jim Ross says, For the first time in years, they're face to face. Literally bad blues. Two months ago. But I like that Kane literally pyro flex. Walk away. away. And Taker just sort of stares. Well, Double J takes advantage of this by trying to take out Undertaker's knee again and put him in the figure four, but then Undertaker reverses it into one of the worst fucking chokes. Like, it's Jeff Jarrett. He's technically it's an a, yeah. excellent wrestler. I thought they were going to do, like, the choke slam from the floor. Like, anyone would take you to the trick in their WrestleMania match. Big strength. Like. And, like, it was really not that at all. He, like, he gets him into the choke slam, lifts him high up, and then kind of forgets to slam him so he's holding him up there and then he nearly fucking drops him backwards and has to like bring him round front again like. but I'll tell you what though the face off Kane and the Undertaker and Taker just being like I don't know what to do yeah. that was honestly one of the best fucking moments in wrestling ever I just thought it was perfect I covered in goosebumps watching that bit the bit where Double J tries to pick the bones was kind of crap but Taker beating up Double J and then afterwards the referee being the winner by disqualification. <sighs> and G Double J, he does the Jackie Fargo strut. And King goes, well, it'll say in the record books, JR, that on his return to the WWF, Jeff Jarrett defeated the Phenom. And I thought, that's a cool story, which they're definitely not going to run with. No. Yeah. And also, I just don't like that he just took two choke slams from the Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> and he's standing and he's, up he's again. strutting again with a big <laughs> smile on his face. Adam. Have you but a crust of jid for me? Got a little drop of jid But here a crumb. I stole a loaf of jid. Kane's every appearance, even the promise of an appearance, began to draw cheers. In the meantime, the war of words between Bearer and Undertaker <laughs> continued. Their private feud played out on a public stage. It really got to Mark. Bearer was pleased to see. <laughs> Especially, He's there feeding the line saying, say how stressed he is. <laughs> Especially when he would get on the ring microphone and publicly denounce the man as a murderer. It made the man in black furious, obviously. And yet, he still wouldn't rise to the bait. Even when Kane climbed over the ropes and entered the ring during a match between Undertaker and Jeff Jarrett. Way Double J! He gets the royalties now it. for that! He gets the nickel for that! And he was de he was on the fucking blacklist when this book yeah. came out as well, so well done for sneaking in there, big man. Guys, just make sure if you head over to Amazon you, with the Jeff Jarrett link, you click through and you buy Journey into Darkness, you will get a small little residual for that, okay? Even when Kane climbed over the ropes and entered the ring during a match between Undertaker and Jeff Jarrett, not only disrupting the flow of the fight, but <laughs> walking right over to his brother and slapping him in the face. Slapping him like a girl. 
Whoa! Yeah. Chia Pada! That's our jid. That's that's our little slice. Wait, is he saying that he's slapping Undertaker like a as, girl would? As a girl would. Or is like he saying how you would under- slap a girl. Yeah, what's mm. he saying? There? I seen like in wrestling, women are usually stereotyped, particularly in this time period, as delivering a devastating slap, or is it like you throw like a girl? So I think that's it. Oh, I see. Come on now. That's an offense that's offensive to women and Kane. That's no good. Well, that's, that's all we got this month, folks, but I will say do not despair because next month is Royal Rumble ninety eight. And for anyone that's familiar with Journey to Darkness oh! can tell you That'll be a bumper edition of Jid next time, baby. Yeah, I think you'll need diagrams to get through that one. Uh, <laughs> flow charts with a laminate that goes over it as well. Who's that in the crowd? With the great people from Milton Bradley, it's the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Mark, the fans want to hear from you. JR, I am here with the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. I'm in the Milton Bradley Rudy section. And Mark, who are you hanging out with out here tonight? Well, I'm hanging out with all the Milton Bradley people up here in the section. This is one of the kids right here. The main guys up there, the big wigs. I'm talking about the cream of the crop guys. And Mark Stark, man. All the heavy hitters are all the heavy hitters are in the arena tonight, Mark Henry. We'd like to thank Milton Bradley for helping us put on this great event, Degeneration X. All the fans want to know, Mark, when are you going to be back in the ring here in the WWF? Well, it should be a week or so. You know, I'm. I'm trying to get back as soon as possible. You know, it's, you know, I see all this stuff going on without me, and, and I, it makes me hurt inside. I really need to get going. Final question: Intercontinental Title matchup coming up. Who do you like, Stone Cold or The Rock? Oh, Stone Cold. Stone Cold all the way. That's my man. That's coming up. That's coming up. Let's go back to ringside. He's got a big old smile on his face. Look at him. He's having a great night. He's yeah. to hang out with the Milton Bradley folks. He's having a great time until you fucking showed up, asking me to do a promo, and uh, oh. he's like. Fans want to know, when are they going to see you back in the ring, Mark? Uh, oh, next week, maybe? Next week! Uh, <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> so, Big Mark will be uh, heading onto our screens again very, very soon. Oh, dear. He's, uh, <laughs> he's been polished up a little bit by Dr. Tom, but mm. not quite the finished article. I think Meltzer said something like, a lot better than he was, but still dreadful. <laughs> something like that. I mean, doesn't he get sent away again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did Mark Henry for How To Wrestling, and... I was genuinely shocked the number of times where it's like, I thought it was that he wanted to go away. and Like, I want to do some strong man. And it's literally them going, yeah, just go away. You know, mm. go get better. And I remember the one that really struck with me is that when he said he wanted to go off and do strong man, Vince was like, yeah, fine, go and do it. But just so you know, if you lose, there's no room for the second strongest man as a moniker in the World Wrestling Federation. You will be fired. So he's like, oh, okay, I'll go do that. And that, that for me, I always respect Mark Henry for taking that chance on himself. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of people from season one who I feel like was overly harsh on a lot of like childhood hates that were just kind of bubbled to the surface in my 20s. Mm. And I feel like Mark Henry ain't going to be impressing us anytime no, soon no. on this show. That's it. We've said it many times, the investment in Henry eventually paid off and he of course became a phenomenal legend in the end. But Jesus Christ, yeah. son. If you want to see us talk nice about Mark Henry, our Money in the Bank episode where he yep. wrestled the big show and our Survivor Series 2011 episode where he yep. wrestled the big show as well. Lots of that going on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere on this series. Uh-uh. <laughs> Coming up next, just one... First time, it's the fucking Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rocky Maivia's rapid rise to glory in the WWF was unparalleled. Now there's gonna be the man right there. That's Blue Chip right there. 
This overnight fame went straight to Rocky's head, and The Rock became enamored with his own persona and celebrity status. The Rock fell in love with himself. You know, The Rock is a lot of things. You're looking at the real Intercontinental Champion. The Rock is calling all the shots on this one. Why? I'm a world-class athlete, a highly intelligent man, and I'm just better than the rest. I'm gonna show you exactly what The Rock is all about. You people wanted The Rock, well, The Rock has answered your call. Thank you very much. Stone Cold Steve Austin has always known who he is. Stone Cold doesn't want you to cheer for him, doesn't care if you cheer for him. Stone Cold belongs to no nation, no faction, no brotherhood. He cares about one thing, and it's reflected in his creed. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Stone Cold has force-fed this doctrine to Rocky and the entire nation with a barrage of stunners. Rocky Miami Austin the challenge. There's a stunner. Stone Cold stunner. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were wondering what the special sauce was that took Rocky Maivia and a young The Rock to become The Rock, it is no questions asked, 1,000 million percent, this feud, it's like someone brought The Rock to fucking work today, yep. and now he's The Rock, yep. and he's on TV! This is the like the literal example of iron sharpening iron here. Oh, yeah. like, they have My brought the God. best out of each other. What is the, what the broad strokes, do you guys watch the video package here? What, what, what's going on in this feud? What's happening with The Rock and Austin? They're doing what they would later recreate in stealing of belts. Bridge times, <laughs> yeah. and belts and whatnot. Rock has stolen the IC Championship, it's now his... Apparently. It's classic. I love when someone nicks a belt. There's something so funny about it. And him, like, insisting he'd come out with the belt and be like, I want you all to know The Rock says this is a non-title matchup, you know, because he's not the champion. He can't defend the belt. Fucking golden. The one thing that's really interesting about it, though, is how much the nation have been relegated to bodies. Yeah. Farouk especially. Did you see the look on his face? Yeah. Like, week after week, The Rock is there with the microphone, Farouk standing very patiently and politely and not saying a word. And it's not even an angle. They're not doing the whole, like, oh, you got to think that Farouk must resent The Rock. There's nothing like that. It's just The Rock is the important one now. Yeah. Forget about Farouk. I like this video package, which was narrated by our boy, Nobly Knees, Kevin Kelly. Hey, you can learn all about that on our Walking a Golden Mile series. You can't hate me when no, it's, no, it's cross promotion. When it's a plug, then it's you a, get away with it. That's putting biscuits and gravy on the table. If you can <laughs> find a way it. to plug my Twitch channel with a Kevin Kelly reference, you can do as many as you want, baby. You, you can change it from twitch.tv forward slash Adabiblo to twitch.tv forward slash like Kevin Kelly, for instance. Again, you know? I'm not, not even insulted. You get a plug in, you're fine by me, baby. Kevin Kelly <laughs> You're, you're pushing it, baby. <laughs> I, I, I'm still pissed at you after last month, pal. All right, don't think we're not finished. Hey, supposed arch enemy of the ranch out of Biblo, what did you have for your breakfast this morning before you recorded? Biscuits and gravy. Really? Yep. And what did they do? Made me a man. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Don't, don't tread on my no. gravy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I told you. No, I'll give you that. They made me all the time. Out of gravy, all right. <laughs> I've got one wrestler wise that Jim Ross says he's full of 
<laughs> Could have been anyone, mate. He loves having I a pop it, at people. I think it's Phineas. It's like, oh, Phineas is full of biscuits. So when someone's trying to scoop slap him. Oh, Jesus Christ. I love as well that Kevin Kelly, the way he describes the downfall of The Rock is, The Rock fell in love with himself. <laughs> oh. Oh, now, I hate this. It, they've really retconned the whole Rocky Maivia thing because the way they describe it here is that Rocky Maivia was a young blue chipper. He won the Intercontinental Belt and he got really full of himself and he got a big head and he became evil. Did you see WrestleMania 13? His dad was in private. Yes, the, 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 the canon originally was that everyone hated him and he got sick of being bullied by the fans and it was like a sort of... A, retribution thing yeah. for him not that it was arrogance we got to see in this dude as well for the first time ever Steve Austin in a pickup truck yes he came out in a match with the Rock Invader in his pickup truck and I believe he was meant to be playing back in black on his stereo and the key making that's ref- what that was yeah the key making reference going Steve Austin he's playing some live music here folks but obviously the network isn't going to pay for it so you have Austin coming out stood on top of his pickup truck and it's like Generic. Like Austin's like listening to some, I don't know, like music that is royalty free that came with like, I don't know, with his PC or something like that. (laughs) The the part of this package that really made me laugh is Austin paging 316 to the rock. The rock looking like Oh my god! Turning around and getting stunned, dude. I love that. Just like I just just seeing that little five second clips removed of all context. I, I, I was like, that's that, fucking brilliant. I thought it wouldn't read. I remember hearing like, yeah. oh, he did a thing with the page. I'm like, there's no way a, an audience of thousands can look at a page. That's it. Do we get a camera angle where you see it? Because I've heard about it for years on like Attitude Era mode, and I think they mentioned it in OMG moments. It's like, oh yeah, an Austin Page, The Rock, three sixteen, and I'm like, well, how do they? Express that to the us. Rock goes, <laughs> but it's so the whole segment is brilliant. The Rock's doing a promo and his mic keeps cutting out in such a realistic way that I was like, "Ooh, this is a bit bad." And then it appears on the Titantron, Rocky sucks in giant letters, and the crowd start chanting along with it. And then you cut to the production truck, and Stone Cold's just back there, like <laughs> pressing all the buttons, moving all the dials, like I'm fucking it all. He, t- up. he takes off like the guy's hat and he puts a Steve Austin hat on him like, yeah. you know? And he's like, you gotta bear in mind, Rock, I know about technology now, and one of these days <laughs> you're gonna get a page that says 316, and you'll turn around and see me there. But hey, you gotta think now, now I know about all this technology. Is this live or is it pre-taped? And you cut back to the ring and the rock gets a beep and you see it. So we know the rock Austin's already put the idea in our head mm. of him messaging 316. What it like, means, yeah. That is one of the few segments that when you see it in the full context, it's even better than the retelling of it later on. Like it's so good. And I love that, you know, a part of me thinks it's because he was hurt. You know, have to remind ourselves this guy had his fucking neck broke yeah. only yeah. a couple of months ago. And the big thing they've done to try and overcome this, to all of our benefit, is give Austin a big old bag of toys. And he's having a lot of fun. This match starts off with basically the Stone Cold Steve Austin pickup truck action play set. If you sold one of these with four Nation of Domination figures and like breakable windshields and... Oh my, this was just... It was too much fun. I had to remind myself that I was watching it for a review. That's how much fun I was having. It was insane. D'Lo Brown sails over the top rope. He lands through the windshield. He mm-hmm. gets stunnered on top of it. Kama runs into the fucking wing mirror. Oh, and Austin's there resting his waistcoat as yep. well. The oh whole my match. god! Farouk gets laid out with a chair shot as well. Yeah, because Kama misses. 
the and the crowd fucking hate the rock that's Ooh, what i love man. they're electric for austin but also they have so much hatred for the rock the rocky sucks chants are deafening mm. in this they're hotter for this than they are for the main event of wrestlemania 15 isn't that weird yeah, the same men in same like man, yeah, yeah. a year and a half. Even though you'd argue it's a hotter, more focused feud then. Mm. This, this, thing, this isn't even the main event. This is just something on TV. Yeah. This is the start of something special. Though. This is like two new guys that are relatively new characters in the company and the fans are just completely behind them. Austin's truck is pretty much fucked by the 10 minute mark. Yeah. And the fact that he leaves it when he goes away, it's like Austin's got a really bad problem for the environment. Every time I mess up a truck, I just buy a new one. <laughs> this truck smell it. I want a new truck. <laughs> the camera misses Austin accidentally stunning the referee at one point. Yes. yes. Which was, uh, you know, there's still some sloppiness here with the production that is really holding back this from being, you know, a, a legitimate WWF production, you know? I like that spot, though, that shows you the sort of sort of blind rage of Steve Austin yeah. because he's, he's, he's shouting on, at, constantly on edge yes he's shouting at the nation the referee comes behind him and pats him on the back like hey Steve and he gets a stunner and he immediately pins the referee yeah. and he's like wait a minute <laughs> you're a lot smaller than the rock <laughs> Austin is nearly hit by brass knocks by the rock Austin gets the stunner I swear to god the rock literally hit like maybe one or two offensive moves yeah. he hit the people's, people's elbow, elbow yeah. and it didn't do anything so then he did it again by taking the elbow pad off to try and like extra buff it like but like he did like like they absolutely unquestionably let you know that the rock was not a threat or on this no. man's level at all but unlike the own heart match last month it didn't feel like Austin was just coming out with you know five seconds on the timer and like in out I'm done no there was all the toys there was all the fucking craziness more of this please yeah, yeah this mm -hmm. was that's that is I wrote down here this is my brand of wrestling bollocks I grew up yes. with it and I love it and I always will this is proper attitude era stuff to yeah. me yeah like. 100% coming up next it's time for our event as uh, i'm sorry i have to do the todd grisham intro when it's an underwhelming main event <laughs> because they've fucking hyped this up as much as they have hyped an episode of afterburn in oh. 2003 Shawn michaels taking on the world's most dangerous man and a man who'll be leading the way for all of us allegedly in a few months time uh, it's ken shamrock This is not going to be pretty. I'm not afraid of pain. I'm afraid of failure. Shamrock is a submission specialist. Shamrock's got the angle. Shamrock's got Brett's angle. And Brett tapping out. Shamrock with the submission out. Shamrock with a clinic. Michael tapped out. He's got the hold on. He's got the, he's got the submission move on Vader. Shamrock, you live and die by the ankle submission hold. So what I have done with the help of China and Triple H, I have been in that gym training these legs, and my pain tolerance is at an all-time high. I'm good. I'm keep going. I'm in the zone, brother. I'm in the zone. I can't, can't feel nothing. I'm in the zone, brother. I gotta go, go, 
Here we go. This awful, awful build to this match. I think these men crossed paths once in the last mm, month. Yeah. Like, they just show you this little video of, like, Ken Shamrock's a badass. I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just got a montage of screams. Rah, yeah, there rah, he is. This is like when they do a UK pay-per-view and they yes. try and fake yeah. a build in the package and pretend there is a story when there isn't one. Oh, Shawn Michaels, he, he, we got his entire fucking silly foot promo in this as well. That fucking promo, Jesus. I, I, find, I, I found that funny. Did the actual, you? The idea of, the, the, of, you know, slowly turning his foot, you know, 720 That's what it degrees. Is. And for the <laughs> listeners, yeah. he's in a wheelchair and Triple H is twisting his foot. Right? It's a fake foot and he's twisting it around like, look how much work I've done on my ankles, Ken. <laughs> We're nearly at my pain threshold now. Yeah. And he's there with a fucking slobbering with a big lollipop. Yeah. And he's like, Lego, I'm the competition. <laughs> he's a fucking mess here. Absolutely. Backstage, Ken Shamrock is nearly asleep from that video package with Jim Cornette. I am here tonight as to be a number one contender. It doesn't, it's really robotic. Yep. Ken has flashes of this real guy who grew up mm. on the fucking streets, a legitimate shoot. You'll find this out how to fucking shoot orphan on the streets. Mm-hmm. Not that far removed from the hyperbole of what they're saying in 98 and all mm-hmm. that. You know, he, he found fighting was where he found his peace. And he just seemed like some lad who'd been brought in. Like, Butterbean seemed more comfortable and at home in this yeah. environment than Ken Shamrock did. They, they yeah. did put do a good job putting him over here because they show him tapping out Brett, Sean, and yeah. Vader. That's true, yeah. In, in, in this package. And you think, he's legit. He no. could be a main eventer. Yeah. Like, but if it was ever going to happen, it would be around this time. His whole career, they stopped and started with him. But I yeah. didn't think in this like first six or seven months with him, they'd stop and start as much as they did. Sure, he was not on pay-per-view for two months yeah. you know, early on. Yeah. And then they decided again, oh yeah, no. Like It feels like this is placeholder. This would have been a raw main event. Mm-hmm. Or you know, Brett, Brett could have done this when he was in the Hart Foundation. He could have took on Ken Shamrock in a main event of a pay-per-view. Like he took on some of the other kind of challengers where it wasn't like the Patriot or whatever. Yeah. But it feels like Sean is acting like it's beneath him. And the presentation is making you think, well, what's the problem here? I guess it's Ken Shamrock's not ready for the big time. That's it. And that's not fair on him because it's like... You have to present this guy. He's a unique. He's not like anyone you've ever had in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who a few months ago, Dave Meltzer was saying was going to change the wrestling business forever. And I'm actually saying that in 2021 that Ken Shamrock was going to change the wrestling business. It's a laughable notion. It honestly is. Because they never were going to be able to book him as he needed to be booked and yeah. presented. No. It's sad, you know? Can't help but feel like Brett would have dropped the belt to Ken without he, he question. Offers to. He did, did he offer yeah. to? And they didn't do it. Yeah, they didn't do it. But that would have just been so much easier. And you know what? I genuinely think him saying that and using using Ken as the example as the obvious guy to give the belt to, I yeah. think that worked against Ken getting it because, oh, he's... He, he apparently, like, Brett went out and did a load of interviews after the screw job. He's like, you know, my guys, you know, my guys... You know, like Ken, and you know, he's one of, he so referred like to him as one of his on guys, him, like, and I think yeah. that, that didn't work him any favors because mm. Ken Shamrock doesn't view himself as being one of Brett's guys. He didn't do many fucking favors. Oh boy, I did like the walk from the promo to the ring, though. That's that I like. We got that from Survivor Series as well. Yeah, both of our main event participants came from the backstage area, and it did seem like something different and something special. Mm. Oh yeah, because that means we get Sean's fucking promo backstage as well, then, don't we? What did he? What did he do with his little promo? Adam? Jr., you fat tub of goo. Uh, Girth Brooks, you're a fat tub of goo. Jr. Jr. is like, wow, well, 
Well, I, I don't see why you should do that. I was doing that to Sergeant Slaughter earlier, so I think. And I will know, do that to Vader next year as well. Mark Henry's coming back as well, so you know, <laughs> it's just like yeah, just mean, wasn't it? Like mean people being mean to other mean people. I, I just honestly, after week after week of seeing him on Raw, I feel like HBK is one of the least charismatic and most annoying people on the <laughs> roster, and not not in like a kind of a I'm getting worried kind of way. This is in like this guy is not deserving of the mic. And time is that what you're feeling him. about like the new age outlaws as well? Sorry to bring him back, but there's like there's a similarity there. Is that kind of it's, it's go, go away heat? Yeah, it's it's cringy bollocks. Where I know that you. As a man and a performer, you think this is really cool and really cutting, mm. but it's actually just such tedious shite. Can you imagine sitting Shawn Michaels down making him watch all of this? Oof. I, think he'd I feel like that's good punishment. I feel like that's like a good sentence for yeah. his crime. And it's so annoying as On well. On Peacock as well. You <laughs> it's so annoying because like you, you have all of this tedium, but then as soon as the bell rings, he's one of the best in the fucking Phenomenal. company. Phenomenal. Yeah. And it's just so, like, he looks like he's just, like, waking up from fucking heroin. Right, yeah. And then, like, as soon as the bell rings, it's it's like he's, like, a savant that's just woken up. It's, mm. like, it's, like, it's like fucking Festus. <laughs> like, as soon as, as, soon, as soon as the bell goes, like, he's like, I'm awake, where's my biscuits? Like, <laughs> I think what it was was the biscuits, the, the, the biscuits and gravy have obviously entered our bloodstream now, and we're thinking like cowboys. That's what's happening here. JR, for shits and giggles, brings up that Earl Hebner is no stranger to controversy, folks. This guy's got Bret Hart's blood on his hands, is what Mother I'm saying. God. He's good as killed Bret Hart but, dead uh, in the ring. Again, that's so unfair. It's on so Earl, not all, yeah. how, how, like we, we know, like just watching Dark Side of the Ring, how much this like hurt Earl and like uh, how it like, preyed on his mind. And you know what? Say what you will, Billy, though. It brought a bit of much-needed levity to some of the knockouts matches when TNA were doing live tours and Earl would wear his You Damn Right I Did Fuck t-shirts. Me. No, no, no wonder he was nicking shirts if you're treating him like this. <laughs> That's it. It's his vice that he's yeah. going through it like, mm. you know? I liked uh, the DX tights on, uh, on Michael's I did like that Michaels and Triple H both came out to the DX theme. Yes. I thought that worked well. And something as well, I don't know what it is. It's just kind of like, you know, using up every bit of the chicken, using up all of their scraps here. But much like when Royal Rumble 1979 used no chance and mm-hmm. then they kind of strip mined all of the stuff they had used to make a corporation themed. Feel here, all the kind of the, the visuals they used for the pay-per-view tonight then became the DX entrance video yeah you know the the, the cops running the strippers the, you know the, the chain link fence the strobe of different images yeah. yeah so that kind of it it felt like they were trying to do something like the way nwo had the audio guy who just pressed the button go new 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 icon and then you'd have instead the visuals much more likely to get a seizure if you're watching dx than the nwo and it's about fucking time. Let's be honest. They've been at it for like eight weeks or whatever now, and they're only just getting the branding all finalized and everything. We get some great stuff from Ken early on. They, you know, like you said, Billy. Once that bell rings, it's a different guy. It's Shawn Michaels from a year or two ago. Yeah. Not the, no lollipop here tonight, folks. And it feels like. It's almost a challenge. <laughs> no lollipop. That's like the sign of a good match. Oh, five-star match, folks. No, no lollipop, lollipop here tonight. Look, Tori Wilson and Shawn Michaels, neither of them need to be working with a lollipop. I said it before, I'll say it again. But it feels like it's like this little challenge for him almost. Like, yeah, I'm going to go in there with oh, yeah. Shamrock. And by no rights, we should... There's no reason that the match is as good as it is. It's like a spiteful performance, almost. It's yeah. shades of Triple H versus Sergeant well, Star for the different reasons. Well, like. they've, they've made a bet backstage. You know, how many Somas can Sean 
can surely take and still put on a Jesus clinic like Christ. well fucking hell he's got a clinic's worth in him Billy yeah. he's putting on a clinic here the big kick early on from Ken Shamrock I like that and you know the thing about Sean is that much like Ric Flair as much as under the skin he can get as a heel and being that obnoxious jerk that you just want to see get beat up mm. it's just as sweet to watch him even if he's a dick for real it's just as sweet to watch him get beat up for fake in, yes. in a wrestling match and seeing him having almost it was borderline some of the Hogan salad I was seeing here yeah. he did the spot in the corner with the dick you know falling the ropes mm-hmm. and all that and it made me laugh and clap my hands seeing this diabolical human being get the shit knocked out of him by by the genuinely dangerous ketchup. And and this overselling didn't feel like he was being a knobhead either. Like, he was overselling, but it wasn't like... It didn't feel like he's belittling by doing it. He was going for things like, you know, there was early on he tried to spit in his face with distraction from Triple Mm -hmm. H and Ken caught him and he kicked him and there was a big spit up in the air. Like, stuff like that was making... Ken out to be like a much more competent performer than I think Vince McMahon thought that he was at this point. Did, did anyone catch Jerry's commentary about zones? So no, we've got a zone chat. He's, he's talking about time how, to pick your next zone. Ken says he's in his zone. You got to get out of Ken's zone and watch out. Well, I tell you what, Ken needs to be careful. If if he doesn't watch out, he'll end up in the the hospital zone. <laughs> For fuck's sake! I thought you were going to say the Twilight Zone. That's, that's my least favourite Sonic level. <laughs> <laughs> zone, like, so depressing. Yeah, it's like in the Hotline Miami game. Sonic keeps getting a headache, going, getting sick, like you know, you move really slowly. I did like the little foreshadowing where Jerry Lawler's like, things are going great for DX. They're, all their enemies are gone. The Hart Foundation, they're out of here. Jim Neidhart, he's been embarrassed. Bulldog, he's gone forever. And Owen Hart's probably in an insane asylum. <laughs> mm. And it was like, Jesus, that was fucking dark. Bleak. But, you know, it was just a little, like, Jerry didn't make a big deal of it. Just a no. little, little drop little in there. Reminder. We have the meeting of the minds where it was getting a little bit pantomime, I guess, at this point. Or we, we went there, we did like the big, like the two guys hitting each other's heads. Yeah, and was, we get like six or seven interference spots yeah. throughout this match. It was very house show energy. This yeah, show, when right? the heads get bashed together and uh, JR says that I think Hem- Helmsley's nose penetrated his skull. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to swing by your house with my nose and uh, you can smoke my peace pipe if you know what I mean. And, and they're just waiting as well and putting over the belly to belly. Because as soon as yes. the belly to belly happens, that's when we know we're going to get an ankle lock. And Sean's like grabbing the ref to stop, and yeah. I love that when he has to like hoist someone else to stop the leverage. Before we move into the closing sequences of the match, though, folks, I have to say, after the disappointing encounter between Undertaker and Double J, oh, I'm we've very, had... <gasps> very pleased that we got a proper grunt of the night Thank here. Thank you. And of all things, it was Shawn Michaels hitting his own Glargay sleeper oh! hole. Oh! Which made Ken Shamrock produce this noise. <laughs> That's got real Gen 1 Pokemon red, blue. Go! Yeah. Ken Shamrock! I was going to say Spyro 1. Hitting <laughs> <laughs> like an animal and he's like, <laughs> Alright, real talk here. Because he's not really been wrestling on television other than I think one, one match he had since Survivor Series. But they're kidding themselves if they think that Shawn Michaels is the only on pay-per-view. Like the marquee kind of... Yep. You know, Brett has that a little bit. Undertaker, maybe? Uh, but it's not a roster of, like, living legends. You can't do this only on pay-per-view. And it felt like I was enjoying it, but I kind of felt like this This is this is just a Raw match, really, isn't yeah. it? This yeah. is not a pay-per-view you're, event. You're, you're, you're just withholding Sean from me, yeah. you know? Your marquee person can't be a heel. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll deal with Rick in the 80s and NWA, but... But you need to give a big pay-per-view-sized match every Mm, time, and this is a Raw match, for sure. The pace was amazing. Like, last month's main event seems like it was in slow motion by comparison. This is, I think, honestly, it's a better match than Brett and Sean. Oh, yeah, they don't hate each other, so it helps. Ken rallies up, the crowd is hot for the action, but there is a great sense of... Like, you know that people aren't expecting, nor should they expect a title change. Mm. They know that, like, Sean's just won it from Brett. That's it. There's not you can't that, buy into it. There's no, like, tonight. There's none of that kind of vibe mm. in the atmosphere tonight at all. Fucking hell, Ken, he gets run against the ropes right towards the end. It was, it was just like what happened to Enzo Amore when he got shit canged. <gasps> oh, it's, I, I had to rewind. Yeah. I, I was like, that's does that really just happen? But yeah, he fucking pings his head Because King is like, ha, oh God, oh, that's really sore on that. It looks like, really scary. Yeah, he hits like the middle rope, he pings back, and then his head just smacks off that gets top caught. rope. Awful. Mm. DX gets Ken Shamrock. But switch in music is reversed. The belly to belly, the ankle lock, and as it literally sees the belly to belly, Jim Ross is like, it's over, it's over, yeah. it's over. And then DX just interfere for a ninth time. And DQ finish. Beat down, boring beat down, the crowd don't like it. And then we get out of the blue, who is this? The man allegedly right out of the insane asylum, a dark-sided appearance. It's Owen Hart. He shows Shawn Michaels off the ring apron, through the steps. He runs away like a thief in the night. And then DX celebrates. Yeah. yeah. Why? I didn't even recognise it as Owen. No. It took a while. Because he's in a black hoodie, which you never see Owen And his wear. hair, he's cut his hair. Yeah, his hair's really short. There's a little own chant from some it's, people. Oh, but it's satisfying. Because he shoves Sean, like you say, who goes flying through the table. As soon as Sean's body is like on the floor crumpled, Owen dives off the ring apron onto him. And he's punching him and he's shoving his thumbs in his eyes and like just Proper squeezing like his apart. Yeah. It's real brutal. I'm looking forward to their match at the Royal Rumble, which yes. won't happen. Can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. How do we go now from this one seems to be setting up for the match? I'm guessing you're going to get it on Raw. My assumption is this is like the 7th of December this pay-per-view is. And I'm guessing maybe Rumble will happen like mid to late January. So we're going to have a good stretch of TV feud where it will just be Owen and Sean on telly. Get that out of the way with, and then Sean can have his proper big main event match at Royal Literally, Rumble. Literally, as soon as you said that, all I thought of was, is it the Rumble where, where Owen comes out like a badass, and then he slips, and King's like, ha, Owen fell down! Oh, God. <laughs> I just feel like we're going to get another Neidhart situation. Between now and Rumble, there's going to be something really horrible happen to Owen on TV. Yeah. Owen wanted to leave, and they wouldn't let him. Yeah. They let everyone leave, but they wouldn't let Owen. Fucking miserable. And I don't think Brett made it any easier by literally going out and saying, yeah, Owen wants to leave, but they won't let him. Mm. Bullshit. Yeah, we know it is, but you're not making it easier, no, Brett. Like, it's not helping. Just that hot fucking angle, immediately it was telling what was going to happen with it because if they can't even make it to the next 30 seconds without ruining it, they're not going to make it to the next yeah. pay-per-view, are they? Triple H, did you really need to do a big pose and slip going up on the turnbuckle to do mm-hmm. your big DX pose at the end? It was miserable. And where was Ken? He yeah. walked away. He's not a factor in it at all. That was a... Excellently wrestled, miserable fucking main event. Yeah. <laughs> like an amazing Shawn Michaels, he can do it all, folks. He can delight, he can thrill, he can infuriate, he can depress, he can spoil, he can ruin. He's a five-tool player, is the yeah. heartbreak yeah. kid Shawn Michaels. In your house, D Generation X, it was one of these pay-per-views that literally came with a warning from our fans beforehand. Yeah. Like, you're not gonna enjoy yourselves. And with that hanging over me, I was genuinely shocked at how much I enjoyed myself. I did have a pretty good time with the pay-per-view. There were a few matches I really enjoyed, 
But let me tell you, it can't get the taste out of the mouth of uh, you take away a Bret Hart and you give us a double helping of DX. Yeah. Fuck me, it was a long night at the office is all I'll say, you know. In spite of some gems in here, like Taka and, and Brian Christopher and The Rock and Austin, Jesus Christ, DX know how to ruin a good time, huh? That's it. The high points are very high, but the mm. show and the product in general is a very miserable yeah. affair. And it could, I think it, like Jenny would have been better if, you know, had, you know, them... Like I said at the start, them running rough shot throughout the pay per view. Yes, yeah, like the inter- NWO pay per view. Them, in, them interrupting every single match that we have on the card, mm-hmm. and then when you have your, your sort of main event, everyone comes out to get revenge. Everyone yes. comes out, have, you know, have everyone come out heel and face. That's mm-hmm. such and a great just come idea. Out. Yeah. And then you could, you could still have it end in the Schmoz DQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know have just like then that you can say yeah that's the DX pay per view yes and people will remember that I like there is times when like an AEW have done stuff like this and you know I feel like you know WCW did this as well with the NWO where we had the sense that because or even we did it later with the Rock with Rock Bottom yeah, yeah, there yeah. was a sense that this is our special show. And as the heel, I don't want my special show to be ruined. There was this mm-hmm. great sense then with the NWO shows and the Rock shows that, like, if you fuck something up for the corporation or the NWO, you're basically, like, fucking sticking it to Bischoff or McMahon. Like, there was a real, like, yeah, you're fucking mm. their show up. But these lads, it felt like, oh, yeah, they're putting on a pay-per-view for us, <laughs> whatever. Like, yep. they felt like the teenagers who didn't care that their parents had went off with a Sweet 16 and gotten them yeah. the Corvette yeah. that they wanted. They felt like, like, not in a good way, they were like spoiled kids here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind the fact that there's no kayfabe reason for them to even have their own no. fucking pay-per-view in the first place. Like, you make the pay-per-views and we'll damn well ruin them. <laughs> it, like, it made sense for Rock Bottom. Yes, he, yeah, was, the corporate corporate guy. he, was, he was the corporate guy. You know, yeah. this, is, this is your nice reward for... Yeah. The ex haven't done anything. No. Well, I tell you what, though, conspicuous by his absence, even though he's all over the show, is Vince McMahon, though. Yeah. Still yeah. no sight of him. Do Nothing. you think we'll get more of Vince before we get to WrestleMania? Will he be on our screens again? I don't think so. Because mm. I, 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 I. Felt like a post WrestleMania thing. Yeah, I feel him, like yeah. I remember is that that's like the moment where like Vince goes all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will, will they have the discipline to hold back until then? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Vince. Maybe no. once or twice on Raw we'll see him perhaps, but I don't think we'll be seeing him much. Will it be out of their system as well by next pay-per-view? Because it feels like WrestleMania 14, and like we were shocked when we found out there was references to Brett and you know, his contract and the screw job and WCW. Do you think, because there was a lot of them here tonight, by the next pay-per-view they'll finally shut up about Brett's contract, WCW, the screw job, all that jazz... Will it have simmered down so it's not a weekly occurrence? No. (laughs) I feel like we might not hear it so much on pay-per-view, but I can't imagine them getting through four weeks of Raw without constantly bringing it up, especially with Sean getting the mic so often. And now that that Owen's here as well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Okay, last question then. I've got to ask you guys. Match of the night, MVP. I mean... We are spoiled for choice, unlike a lot of previous shows. And I say spoiled, there's more than one obvious choice, yeah. I yes. feel like. Yeah. Adam, what's your match tonight? Who's your MVP? Easy, easy, easy match of the night has to be Rock and Austin, because yeah. that was just fucking electric. Like, that was genuinely, genuinely amazing stuff, and got me so fucking amped up in the way that nothing else on the product at the minute can do. MVP, I feel like I have set a precedent over the years that my MVP, I usually like to give it to someone who surprised me or like, you know, I could say Rock and Austin, but I feel like I knew that they would deliver something that good. I'm going to say Sergeant Slaughter had no right to work such a great work. No right. right to claim he'd been in all those wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I had fucking bottom of the barrel expectations yeah. for Slaughter's match, and he, you know, he didn't do like any amazing wrestling. But, but they, he, they lowered your expectations, and it worked. Didn't yes, it, it yeah. did. And he took big old bumps. He went out of his way to try and make Hunter look good. Like it was a much, much better performance from him than I could have ever anticipated. So he rose above the level of. Yeah, and he may not have got like a purple heart for real, but he's got an MVP from me, so there's mm. something you can Yeah, you, know, you can print that off and put on a little purple heart next to the other ones you stole off a dead body in there a fucking go. war memorial. <laughs> as you did, like, you know, I am the unknown soldier! <laughs> <laughs> Billy, match of the night, MVP. Match the for, night. For what you claim to be one of the worst pay-per-views you've ever yeah. done for this show, I might add. Like, it's a good thing that the Austin and Rock match was there mm. because if that wasn't there until the point we got it I was generally going to have to I was going to have to like I mean Miro and Butterbean I guess wow <laughs> because like I didn't really care for any of the matches apart from the last two you're not a big yeah. fan of Brian Christopher and Tackerman it, it was fine yeah it, but I was like I was very nearly having to am I seriously going to have to give my match of the night to Miro and Butterbean <laughs> And my MVP to Mark Miro for being an entertaining <laughs> heel. That so nearly happened. Whoa. Because, because, the, because I didn't know the Austin match was coming. Yeah. So match of the night is is unquestionably Austin versus The Rock. I would like to give a, a special mention for MVP to Mark Miro. Yeah. Which I'd never thought I'd ever say. Mm -hmm. Because he was genuinely entertaining. He, ha he held that train wreck together. Yeah, he did. Like, the train wouldn't have left the station to create a train wreck had it not been for yeah. Mark mm -hmm. Miro being there. The mm -hmm. fat controller as he was. And then, but MVP. I am gonna give to Austin because he is so limited at the moment in yeah. what he can do medically, and he had the crowd in his hand. I forgot. Like, I honestly yeah, forgot yeah, that yeah. Yeah. you would never know. And you know, it's that Austin that we're gonna see so much more of in '98. Mm. Of you know, who cares if it's full of gimmicks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who cares? It's it's so much fun yes, to watch. Definitely. And it was the first time. We've seen that Austin this season. Yes, yeah, because yeah, he's right. he's realizing these are the limitations I have got now. Let's make like just fucking deal with it and coming up with this like great stuff. And he seemed like less of a fucking sadist. Like he felt more like you know they were stacking the deck against him, yeah. so it felt like righteous that Austin was overcoming yeah. it, as opposed to. A lot of the times in the early run of Austin, it just felt like he was just being like an absolute sociopath. That's it. You know? yeah, those, those ones that you're talking about there, that few months of Austin, that's what people mean when they talk about anti-hero Steve Austin, whereas now he's, he's transitioning. Yeah, he's he's pretty much baby a hero. straight yeah. up babyface now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For me, match of the night, like honestly, I'm trying to think of match of the night if I was going to recommend you to go out and watch a match that you wouldn't have necessarily seen. You know, I figured if you were looking at this pay-per-view and you saw Rock Austin... I feel you know you wouldn't need me to tell you to go and watch that. Yeah. It's fucking fabulous. So I have to go for match of the night. I think with Taka mm -hmm. and Grandmaster Sexay, mainly because with the, with Brian Christopher in there and the way the match started, I thought, oh, here comes this fucking slow Memphis bullshit. Yep. I wrote down it's strong style versus soft serve style, <laughs> you know, thinking that it was going to be an awful clash and you shouldn't do this and let Taka be Taka and keep that shit back in fucking USWA. Mm. And you know what? It was beautiful. Yep. Like I, I two styles of wrestling. I, I enjoy watching people beat the shit out of each other for real and mm -hmm. do spectacular innovative moves but I love the pantomime and you know getting the crowd riled up and I thought it was a masterpiece of, yeah. of taking those two honestly somewhat conflicting theories of how wrestling should be and you made it be like a he's behind you whoa somersault plancha yeah. type of affair and I loved it I thought Jerry worked his ass off to 
to come in and like shine up his kid, but he didn't overshadow him. And Brian Christopher with a bloody mouth is literally one of the most haunting images in wrestling. And we absolutely slept on Brian Christopher and wrestling missed a trick. That guy should have been given his skill set, his body, his charisma. If if he came along 10, 15 years later, he would have been main event and I'm convinced. I, I, I get what you mean by us having slept on him throughout all of season one, but I do feel like a lot of it is how he's presented. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. It, this you put Brian him in a tag team as a face? What the fuck? That's it. This guy's been given way more of a chance to show what he's capable of in this role. It's very mm. different to Grandmaster Sexay. An MVP, it was a tough one to pick, but I gotta feel like someone who just like raised their stock from the match that they were in and what they did... It's got to be The Rock because, like, mm. there's one thing being the guy who everyone kind of suspects is really great, and then there's someone who's going in where it's like, "Hey, kids, this is the Steve Austin show. He yeah. is our A number one guy." You know that Brett's gone triple or fucking apprehension about anything going wrong for Steve Austin. And you know what? He'll never say it, but I'm pretty sure Steve Austin, that paranoia we hear about in '98. Some that's got to be that Brett's gone. He knows that he's the fucking present and the future right. of this company. Mm, yeah. And also, it's your one shot kid. Your neck's been broken twice. Fucking make it count. Yeah. So Austin is, you know, difficult in some respects to work with. And The Rock managed to shine, mm-hmm. even though he was yeah. one of five guys running around there. It's strange. Well, in the package for that match, when when you're seeing like you know The Rock talking, mm. he feels more like The Rock there than he does at WrestleMania 14. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's like it's, he's gonna like like degrade to it. That's it. It's I, weird. I, I distinctly remember us in season one, month by month, we'd be talking about like how always oh, nearly at the rock now. He's like he's slowly figuring you it out. You try to keep it together when Jennifer Flowers is asking you the hard question. Like is that he's... the setback? Yeah, the setback. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like it was Deadly Games, but like when he finally when figured he finally, it out. He say, finally yeah. say, yeah, that's the but that's Survivor Series, and it feels here that's... like he's already almost there. He's a yeah. whole year away from yeah. here. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because I think one thing that definitely helps him this Austin feud for sure, but the Ken Shamrock feud I think brings a lot out of him yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I know that summer true and King of the Ring but very true. it was just amazing to see how someone could be put into a very small little role but still blow it over the top and be like this is this is the guy The Rock's the guy like how, how do you do that when Steve Austin coming back from neck surgery and yeah. having to get his heat back and being the Intercontinental Champion like The Rock was literally decimated in this match mm. and but like he was overshadowed still, as yeah. well like. Like, I don't think The Rock was a jabroni after this nah. I thought he was a badass even though he fucking got his ass beat so mm-hmm. yeah generally speaking this pay-per-view, if you want to go back and see something that's pre-Attitude Era, that you're seeing literally this thing mid-transformation, go, mm. what the fuck is this? I can't think of any show that has been like half in and out of being Attitude Era. Like, they go with Shawn Michaels, he says he's got Attitude, folks, and Jim Ross is like, Attitude, like that'll ever get over. Like, you mean fucking put it on your lapel, mm. on your on your denim shirt later on in the month, mate. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, full metamorphosis here. Next pay-per-view, Royal Rumble 98. Honestly, I think I put this up for a boys pick one. Boys pick did, ones. Yeah. One of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Oh. It's literally fucking the world versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. We, we, we do love a rumble. Oh, yes, we do. it'll be a right Royal Rumble next time. What did you think of this episode? Let us know as always in the comments below. And as always, if you're listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio, do us a big old favor by subscribing and leaving us an old rating or review. That always helps the algorithm. Or the best thing you can always do 
nature's algorithm, you can use your voice and tell someone if they're after a podcast about people chatting about old wrestling. If you want to interact with the Attitude Era podcast, you can find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast, where you will find a whole bevy of video content, clips from old episodes, clips from current episodes, and clips from our Patreon content, where you can get a little preview of what you can get. And you can also find us on Twitter at AE Podcast. Patreon, eh? Want to support this show? Want to get access to, honestly, an incalculable amount of audio and video episodes? Long-running series with over 70 episodes like The Smackdown Crawl where Adam and I review all of Smackdown. Fun side ventures like Adam and Billy reviewing all the Chaos comics from the Attitude Era. Gamesmanship video episodes and myself, Adam and Billy. Commentary tracks, Q&As, book report podcasts. There is a smorgasbord and honestly a huge amount of content that we are all incredibly proud of. If you like the show, you like the fact that we don't stop the action every five seconds for ad spots and that we're 100% fan listener supported. We don't get paid by SoundCloud, Apple or Spotify. It's all fan listener supported. You can support us and get yourself a much needed reward of loads of audio content. Patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And what is this I've got in my trench coat for you all? It's a bit of botchamedia.com for your finest stuff and things that I sell at a low, low price. Maybe I'll swing by your house with some stuff and things and you can log on to my botchamedia.com and maybe afterwards. Botchamedia.com, stuff and things. Until next time, where we're going to get ready with 27 other men for a Royal Rumble. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. <laughs>